Hey, Ken. Hey, what's up? I just want to get a little PSA for you. Um, the doomsday clock was just set 100 seconds till midnight, which means we're pretty close to a nuclear apocalypse and we're all going to die. That's all I wanted to let you know. Mm-hmm. We're dead. We're fucked. I'm dead. You're dead. Hey, you listening? You're fucking dead, buddy. Well, you know, there's no way to celebrate the doomsday clock moving closer to midnight than our podcast where we talk about Joel Schumacher's Batman Forever. I think it's a perfect way to go out. Yeah, Let's you know, it, baby. It's, you know, it's... Time to die. Riddle me this, Batman. How do, how do we live? Get Andrew up show. That's Ken. Hello, it is me, Zachary. I'm Job Genhart. Hi, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Mm. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about good old Joel Schumacher's Batman Forever, the most '90s movie of all time. <laughs> you know, it really is. <laughs> uh, I feel like we have a lot to say. At least I feel like I do. I don't about that movie. Um, <laughs> I don't have. I feel like I had generally a better time than Justin did rewatching it. Oh god! It's only the second time I've ever seen that movie. Maybe third. Like I, I don't know. Like it's been a long time for me, and like I can't say it was. It's bottom of the list for sure so far. I'd agree. But like, you know, it's it is better than Batman and Robin. I'm going to tell you that right now. Oh yeah, yeah, very much. That's so. a movie I've seen more for some reason. Uh, don't don't ask me why. I used uh, to love this movie, yeah, and that's probably part of why I hate it so much now. I can see that because I know so much of it. There's a lot of there's some minor details that I forgot about that were fucking hilariously dumb to me in this movie. Um, me too. But we will cross that bridge when we get to it. For now, let's talk about video games for an hour. Yeah, we're gonna talk about yeah probably for an hour. <laughs> we're gonna talk about. Uh, the video games we like this decade. Hey, we're list. finally going to be done with our look back at the previous decade. Everything going forward is just going to be a look ahead or a look at current, except for the parts where you watch movies from to say 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, <laughs> that part will still be, what the fuck were they thinking back in 1995? Damn. They were thinking about how to sell them McDonald's cups. Oh, they, you know them cool McDonald's oh, cups. Sold, I have one of those cups in my house. Those they, cups are they sold those undeniably cups. based. I, I literally want to buy a Two Face one because the design of it is so cool. Yeah, because it's got him flipping a coin, and the handle is the coin flipping. Right. It's weird to describe. Yeah, I know. But which like one if it you is, if you yeah. just if you envision like the classic art of Two Face flipping a coin. So to show the coin's arc, they draw it like a million times. Yeah. As it flies through the air. So but they the do hand. that with him flipping the coin, and it goes up through the handle of the mug and then back into the cup, which is fucking, like, they didn't have to do that for dollar cups for McDonald's, but they did. I That's pretty cool. It. It's based. <laughs> I had a couple of those cups. I forget. I know I had the Two-Face one, and 
Was it your four main characters? Right, Batman, yeah. Robin, Two Face, Riddler. Right. I'm trying to remember if I had the Batman one or the Riddler one. <laughs> they didn't have a. Uh, <laughs> they didn't have a Nicole Kidman titty mug. They didn't have that. I one. think it was just the Batman one. Okay. Yeah, because I don't even remember what the Riddler one looks like. It's got Batman the Riddler was... on it. I'm I'm probably gonna post a picture on the yeah. Twitter. I got several pictures of merch I want to discuss because that's one of the things I like doing with the Twitter sometimes is finding bad merch and just going like, what is this? I used to drink shit out of Batman cup. I would drink my juicy juice out of that fucking Batman cup so much, bro. Hell yeah. Drink my juicy fucking juice. Did they do cups again for Batman and Robin? I think so. The way they look is very, like, iced, so, like, it makes me think of Mr. Freeze, even though it's not, like, the one with him in it. No, I don't know. Anyway, fuck that shit till later. Let's talk about video games. So you made a list. I made, so me and a few of my friends made a list. Uh, We came together and debated and broke down a list of the top 100 games of the decade. Sometimes objectively, sometimes subjectively. Oh, the only rules... Were that it had to be released from 2010 to 2019. And if you want it on this list, you got to make a case for it. And then we argued it. And we argued placements of stuff. We, uh, While setting it up, we separated them into uh, four different blocks of games. Like a bottom half, an upper half. And then we divided those halves in half, too. And okay. then we organized them within that to kind of organize the chaos of 100 video games. And uh, there was a bigger list before that. We had to make 100. Yeah. This is kind of like what I personally do with myself to make any of my lists. Right. But I just argue with myself, which is way easier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I argue with like six people. Yeah. I, I didn't participate in this. I was probably, uh, I don't know. Off dying or something. Dead somewhere mm-hmm. in a ditch. Probably like because I had just watched Batman forever or something. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I'm I'm curious to hear this. I know some of it. I remember reading it, but I don't remember everything. Yeah, I'm, so I'm going to run this down. A lot of this is going to be really quick because I'm going to spend some time talking about some of the more notable stuff in here. And uh, there are some stuff in here that I didn't put on myself and that I don't know that well. I will probably make that remark. Or is a game that I didn't even like, which there's a couple on this list that somebody else liked significantly more than I did and then ended up over here. I may interject at, yeah. at some points because I free. definitely have my own opinions on games that were probably snubbed or games that were probably uh, lower yeah. than I would or the, higher than I would. There's but a few of those on When here you're arguing me. with multiple people to come to like some sort of consensus. It's hard. It is. It's hard to get, it's hard to get things at the places that you want. And I, I figured that out very quickly. I'm but excited a, for uh, our hundredth episode where we have to kind of do that. It's tough because uh, we're we're. I mean, I think we mentioned it before, but we're going to do a thing where we just have every single movie we've watched for this show, and then just like rank them all on some kind of tier list. We'll be, figure out the logistics of it. Yeah, we, later. Yeah, in about almost a year worth of episodes. Uh, half. We're at sixty-eight right now, so right. That's not that far. I mean, it's, it's far, but it's not like a year. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it'll be interesting. We'll have to have some sort of tiebreaker. We'll have to have some kind of third-party person who can determine whether, you know, for instance, Gremlins 2 is better than The Matrix. <laughs> or some stupid <laughs> shit like that. I don't know. Oh, boy. You know, I'll probably say, yeah, of course it is. And I'll be like, 
I'm no, just kidding. I think the not. Matrix is better than Gremlins 2. Don't, mm-hmm. don't worry. Good. Don't Very worry. Good. I appreciate that. But does the Matrix have a Gremlin that also is a bat that can fly in the sun in it, though? No. Shit, Phil. It has Keanu Reeves. Fuck, that's a good argument. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway, go on with your list. I'm okay, sorry. so we're going to start off right off the bat pissing you off. All the way at number 100 is Batman Arkham City, released in 2010. Nah, it's fine. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I think. You know what, do, you know what? do you remember all the things I said negatively about, about that game? About eight months ago, you would have gotten mad. Uh, no, I disagree. Uh, in replaying Arkham City, and I detailed that on this show, uh, I have a great appreciation for it and what it did for open world games at the time, but it is very dated. Yeah. And I think the story is also dated and not as good as I remember it being. It's a, too much of a clusterfuck. In retrospect, in playing Arkham Knight, I think I actually prefer it, but the problem with Arkham Knight is all the stuff that isn't good in it. Right. Yeah. I don't I don't like Arkham Knight that much. I found it boring. I found the, Bat- I found the Batmobile aspect mm. of the game. Now, I have a question. Boring. Yeah. So, this kind of is your spot for a superhero open world game, Yeah. I would assume. Spider-Man not on here? Spider-Man, I think, might be on here, actually. Let me check. Actually, no, I don't think so. I think... I remember it not being on here. Yeah, it didn't get included. That's I definitely wanted... one that I feel is a snub. Yeah, I wanted to include it. I but... think Spider-Man is the perfection of, like, the precedence that Arkham City starts. Yeah, I think so, too. At least and for games that are action-oriented, like, superhero, yeah. open-world Games like games. Arkham City and then Spider-Man 2 before it. Yes. Set, yeah. Yeah. It's a long history of games that aren't GTA, that are open-world, action, adventure. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously you have a lot of, th- of other areas to thank, like Metal Gear Solid Five, and some of the Assassin's Creed games, but not all of them. <laughs> and, uh, anyway... Spider-Man's a snub. That's all I wanted to say. Okay, cool. All right, we're going to keep going up the list here. 99, Ultra Street Fighter 4. Best version of Street Fighter 4. Great game. 98, The Outer Worlds. Fuck Space Capitalism. That's really low for that game. All right, you have to consider this. And, and I, Well, like, you know what? Never mind. I did the thing. The bottom of the list no, is like... No, be I did the thing. Hmm. I didn't even listen to what you said. I just realized you were talking about the other one. Oh, not The Outer Wilds? Wilds? The Outer Wilds is higher. Okay, good. Just like on my game of the year list, the Outer Wilds is higher. It's it, I, it's, it's respectable placement to be on here at all. I, I get you know. I think the Outer fine. Worlds is just like the best version of like Fallout, and I think that's why it deserves to be on here. When did New Vegas come out? Is that not even this decade. Uh, two thousand. You know, maybe it might have been two thousand ten. Actually, let me let me double check real quick. If it was, we decided to include the Outer Worlds instead. That's fine. Twenty ten. Yeah. Okay. We decided to include The Outer Worlds instead because I think it takes what New Vegas did and it, it's literally a better game than it in every facet. I agree with your logic. That's fine. But New, New Vegas Ve- good, though. Oh, New Vegas amazing. So is this game. But there's only 100 games in 10 years that could be on this list. 97, addition by some that somebody, not me, uh, Wander Song, which is a cute little indie game. Uh, 96, Beat Saber, one that I had to fight to get on here on this list. Uh, I'm glad <laughs> you did it. Yeah, I, I feel like that's pretty important because that's a really accessible, playable VR game. It's the best PlayStation. It's, it's the best yeah. VR game probably in general. It's uh, the, yeah, the, most access, the most accessible, really fun game. 
one that has multiple purposes. You could use it as a workout if you wanted to. And it's fucking fun. And it's the best example of what VR can do at a base level. Yeah. Well, because you guys kind of like went with like things that are important for as, yeah. the history in, in certain spots. So like Beat Saber needs to be on there in that regard. It's, it's a fucking mismatch of like games we love, games we think are important. It's just like whatever we wanted to argue at the moment. Yeah. Which makes it fun, I think. Uh, 90, 98 Dragon Ball Fighters. Um, sorry, 95 Dragon Ball Fighters. 94 Fez. 93 Dead Space 2. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. Forgot that came out. I love that this game. Decade. Mm-hmm. I love that game. Good game. 92 Dead Cells. Great game. 91 Golf Story. <laughs> Which is a game I had to... That's something that you petitioned for, I I had assume. to fight like hell to get Golf Story on here. Listen, it, it, it's in, in the entire, uh, like, what, three and a half years that Nintendo Switch has been out now, it's still the most charming game on it. It's funny. It's golf. It's the most yeah. charming game on there. It's the one with probably the most charm and the most heart out of every fucking game on that platform. And there's a sequel coming out, and I'm very excited. <laughs> It's sports this time. <laughs> yeah, it's sports story. But also golf still. <laughs> <laughs> and everything else t- together. Yeah. <laughs> 90 is uh, Ace Attorney Investigations. Uh, good game. Very good game. Uh, 89, Thomas Was Alone, which I think is a very important game for indies. Yeah. Um, 89, sorry, yeah, that was 89. 88, Night in the Woods, which uh, has some controversy around it recently, but it's still a very incredible game. Yeah. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> 87 Skullgirls. Um, that game's fucking great. Best indie. I love that art ever style made. for that game. It's best really indie. Good. Yeah. The best indie fighter ever made. Uh, it uses GGPO, which every fighting game should. Rollback netcode. Yeah. Fuck that shit, man. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Can't wait for. Guilty Gear to suck because of that. This doesn't have rollback? Because Japanese developers refuse mm, to implement it? Yeah. The uh, the highest rate of fighting game on here. The high, two highest rate of fighting games on this list use GGPO. Just a big, big little, little shot out there. Uh, oh, so there's only one other fighting game higher than Skullgirls, yes, I guess? there is. Damn. There's just one. You know, fighting games don't get no respect. Gotta be in the bottom half of the list. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then I'm a guy who loves fighting games. Uh, 86, Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. Best DLC ever. Wow, is that the only Far Cry game on here? Absolutely. Damn straight. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. What are you going to do, put Primal on here? Oh, Get the Jesus fuck Christ, I'm puke. Uh, 85, Shadowrun Returns, another game I had to fight for solo. Um, it's it's Shadowrun, like the RP, like the tabletop RPG. Yeah. Um, reimagined into a game. I mean, it was once before a long time ago. And not the Shadowrun you were thinking of, which is the one, the shitty one on the Xbox 360. Yeah, that, I, that was my issue right here. <laughs> I was like, why the fuck you put that on? <laughs> no, no, no. It's like a tabletop RPG. Okay. It's fucking fantastic. Alright. It's the, one of the best... Uh, that R- that RPG as a whole is one of the best examples of Cyberpunk uses an RPG scenario. Ah. Very good. I, I, rec- I wholeheartedly recommend it to people who like D&D and shit. Uh, 84 is the original Nier. Oh, yeah. Not Automata. Does that mean they're both on there? Yes. Okay. Uh, Original Nier deserves a spot. I think it's a bad rap for uh, how interesting, how creatively interesting and, like, engaging that game is. It gets gets a lot of unnecessary shit. Yes, it's a weird one. 
I think it deserves its placement just based on how weird it is and unique. Yeah, it's just so unique. Uh, 83 is Dragon Age Inquisition. 82 is the highest place fighting game on this list, Killer Instinct. Oh, that's interesting. Which has uh, become a recent obsession of mine mm. uh, since I actually got an Xbox One that I could play it on. And oh my god. Yeah, that has like the best online of any fighting game. It uses I'm rollback sure. net yes. code. And, yeah. and the best implementation out of it. Well, you know what's interesting is because it's developed in America, or, well, UK, I think, because we're yeah. aware, uh, they understood how to make the internet not shit. Right. I guess the Japanese fighting games are not shit in Japan, if you play them in Japan. Yeah. But that's the problem, though, is they don't take into account anything else because they're stuck in their old ways as far as internet goes. I could be Hopefully here... Hopefully that changes. I could be here playing Killer Instinct with somebody in, like, Russia and probably still get less latency than if I went into Street Fighter V and got a match. Yeah. With somebody oh, else oh, certainly. in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> There's been some recent developments into looking into Street Fighter V, and it's a mess. It's yeah, a true. It mess. has rollback netcode, but it was improperly implement, implemented. Yeah, that's like it only works for one of the people. Yeah. So that's that's great. <laughs> um, Eighty one is uh, Kerbal Space Program. Bless Kerbal Space Program. Dude, sequel's coming out stupid. this year. That's dude. right. Yeah, mm. I'm so excited. I forgot there was a sequel coming out. That's cool. That's uh, the first game in a long time, like, in my adult life, that, like, I have ever, like, literally spent a sleepless night just playing one game. <laughs> I just didn't go to sleep and played Kerbal Space Program for an entire day instead. Huh. All right. All right. <laughs> I don't know, I love it. Make that ship, man. Mm-hmm. Number 80 is another game I had to fight for by myself. A lot of these are the, towards the bottom. That's it. It's peppered. Um, number 80 is Taiko no Tatsushin Drum Session for the PlayStation 4. you were the only one. <laughs> Nobody ever else like, what the? Some of the people, we have people in a Discord call that, like, I, I'm not, like, super close with. They're like, what the fuck is that? I'm like, dude. Drum game. <laughs> Big drum game. That's fine. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's the best version of it for consoles, and I think it's still my favorite rhythm game ever. I think it's important because it came out here too. Yes. So like that's it's a kinda... big deal that it finally got like a full release in America with like the ability to use DLC and like it was actually a well-made port. Yes. But they didn't bring the fucking drum over. Yeah, that's a mistake. I don't that's know why they did. Big do mistake. That. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. Expensive. Just you didn't have to make a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Cuz you were you were going to sell a lot of them. But at least do them like made to order on your website or something. I don't know. It's fucking dumb. Anyway, number 79 is one I wanted to, to, to not even put on this list is Skyrim. You kind of have to, though. Yeah, I know. That's I'm gonna why be, I got convinced. I'm going to be really blatantly honest, even as someone that doesn't care about Skyrim. Like, <coughs> you kind of have to. You kind of have to. It's, like, too big of a game to ignore, which I, uh, I feel like is a lot of, you know, some of the discussion we'll have when we get to the top of this list is going to be around. Like, you know, you can't not put it on here because... Right. Like, I don't know, it's the Outer Worlds is a better game. cultural game. Yeah, yeah. sure. I just, I don't know. <laughs> I, I was fighting hey, people. look, if you see a mountain, you can climb it in that game, okay? Yeah, just by smashing the space bar. <laughs> <laughs> you could go anywhere, do anything. It's the it's like, best game ever. Time to climb mountain, get on my horse and go... Until I scale the mountain. <laughs> Sorry, I almost knocked your drink over, buddy. I did it for effect. It scared me. <laughs> My purple monster, no. <laughs> uh, number uh, 78 is Ori in the Blind Forest. 
Great Metroidvania game, great art style, play it. Also getting a sequel this year. Yes, very excited. Number 77 is Untitled Goose Game. All right, that's cool. There's not enough to say about the game that's already been said. Go play it, please. Uh, number 76, a very good mobile game called Florence. I hear a lot about this. I don't even know what it is. It's a short play. It's only about probably an hour long. I hear that it's like beautifully well done, though. It is gorgeous. I finally got to play it at, at, at the behest of my brother. Um, it's a story. It's a love story that kind of unfolds like in front of you, but like you have to... The game works as like you're putting together like a puzzle... In each part of it, and you, that puts together their dialogue. It's very interesting the way it plays. Oh, it's story like, that it's it like Leisure Suit Larry. No. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? That's exactly how you play that. You got to move the sperm <laughs> in the dialogue. There you go finish in the you dialogue. You know the dialogue mini game. You got to uh-huh. move the sperm up and down. You got to hit the, the good marks, uh-huh. not the bad marks, or else the conversation with the girl you're trying to fuck goes bad. It's not like that. Sounds exactly like that. <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. Uh, the art style is beautiful. The story it tells is beautiful. And uh, especially if you have past experience with relationships like that, it will make you tear up. Number 75 is Tetris Effect, the objective best Tetris game, especially in VR. Not uh, not 99 yeah. or 100 or whatever? I think it's better than 99 for sure. 99 is a really fun, cool experiment. The effect it's is, like vi- is visually arresting. So, like, yeah, I can see how you put that on there. Tetris Effect is an experience while you're playing Tetris, and it's fucking awesome. Uh, Number 74 is Metroid Samus Returns, uh, a game that a lot of people overlook, and you're dumb. Go play it. Last 2D Metroid? Uh, Maybe. For a while. At least for a while. make one eventually. Well, because it didn't fucking sell. Well. Because nobody fucking decided to buy it. I mean, it came on the 3DS when the Switch was already out, but still. Fucking... Buy it, please. So before like, oh, that, like, what was Metroid. the what was the last one before that? Like Zero Mission or yeah. something? Yeah. Okay. Well, just wait another ten years, I guess. Jesus Christ. Right. <laughs> Number seventy three is Spec Ops: The Line. That's a great game. That's I don't know. Really I don't know game. enough about Spec Ops. I think I have that game. Um, it, it looks like a it looks like a third person shooter version of a Call of Duty game, but it's actually like War fucking sucks. The video game. Oh, it's not a positive portrayal. Uh, uh, well, not that Call not. of Duty is, but it's like a generic. But it's like version of the that. realistic negative portrayal of war. Okay, and that's it's cool. Really cool and worth playing. That sounds interesting. Actually, it's very very cool. Not a lot of people. A lot of people overlooked it because it literally has like the man with the gun box art and shit. But like, oh man, so, so do a lot oh. of games. Yeah, so well, that more was games than should. In the in the in the generation that that game came out, that was the box art trope. So it's kind of still is not as much. Cyberpunk's about to come out with that box art. Yeah, and that game probably deserves a better box art. Yeah, it does. Uh, I just one of the, the worst fucking... ones was Bioshock Infinite has that shit, and it's like, oh, it makes... yep, that's what that game's about. Just to sell copies. Yeah. Number 72 is an Ax- is Axiom Verge, an amazing Metrovania game made by one dude. He's doing it again this year. <laughs> what a crazy man. He's nuts. Number 71 is Apex Legends. In my opinion, the best Battle Royale game, but the, uh, but the lowest Battle Royale game on this list. Number 70, Resident Evil 7. It's uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the video game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a bunch of things. And there's a bunch of other shit. Like Texas <laughs> yeah. Chainsaw Massacre, the but first, like, like, you know. The first, like, three hours of the game are Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the video game. Yeah, I, I love the family in that. They're such great villains. Obviously, I love that game. I love Resident Evil in general, but that one is such a good reinvigoration of what that franchise is all about. So glad it happened because, boy, you know, I, I gotta tell you, I'm gonna doubt Resident Evil 6 is on that list. Nope. <laughs> 
Number 69, nice. Yakuza 4. <laughs> you did that on purpose, didn't you? No. So so what Yakuza games came out last decade? 4, 5, 6? Mm-hmm. Kiwami? Four, Kiwami four, so, 2, yeah. 0? Right. That's kind of a lot of them, so did the you put... The bulk of the franchise. There's, I think... Did you put more than one, or is four your placement? I think there is three on here. Okay, this is all your fault it. if they're on there at all. Or your brother might have helped a bit, but I know he hasn't played four. Yeah, there's yet. three of them on here that I got away okay, with. Okay, so what is your argument for four being better than some of the other ones that didn't make it? Anyway, Yakuza 4 does something very interesting with, the way, with its characters and the way you play as them. Um, you spend the game in kind of four different segments... Where each one you're playing is a different character, and then towards the end it kind of mismatches them together. But each character is so fucking good, and the story that it tells through all four of these characters' eyes is so interesting that it, like, really, really hooked me. And it was the first Yakuza game I played. Okay. On top of that, maybe why it has a bit more of a soft spot for me, but without knowing anything going in, (laughs) Mm. Yakuza 4 was a uh, PS Plus game on the PS3. And I just downloaded it and played it. I was like, what the fuck? Why have I never heard of this? Right. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that. That was a free game way back. Yeah. More yeah. people should be uh, into this. Four and five were free. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, PlayStation Plus games. Zero is now as well. Yeah, Zero was free. It's also like if you didn't... Or Kiwami as well. Yeah. Um, if you missed that, uh, Zero's dummy cheap right now. It's like $7. Get into that series. Zero's the best entry point, but I'll get to that later. Because it's I on this bet list. you will. <laughs> Number 68 is Super Mario Maker 2. Is this on there instead of Mario Maker 1? Yeah, because why would you at this That's point? Fine. That's it's fine. It's literally the same game except made better. So you Yeah, just do sure. That. Yeah. Has more features, does the same exact thing that the first Mario Maker does. It's just a better game overall. Uh, and it, damn is it good. That community is awesome. The shit mm. that people make is crazy. The shit that you can make yourself is crazy. The, the dev tool that it gives you to just fuck around with in that game is amazing. It's so cool. Lots of ways to make people mad. Yeah. <laughs> Flame sticks. Uh, number 67, a very, very important PC game, StarCraft II. That makes sense. Um, launched a lot of the PC gaming esports scene. Uh, very good RTS. And uh, th- there is not too much that I have to say about it besides StarCraft II. I thought that was way older than 2010. Nope, that's when it came out. Okay. (laughs) It seems like it's been around forever, but I guess, you know, it hasn't been around for 10 years, I guess. So that's fair, I guess. Uh, I mean, StarCraft 1 was kind of popular in PC scene, too, but StarCraft 2 blew up in the esports realm. Okay. It was like one of the stepping stones into what we have now. Uh, Number 66 is Divinity 2 Original Sin, which is um, a dope... Baldur's Gate-style RPG game uh, that I recommend to everybody who likes those kind of games. It's very, very good. You also play it with a friend, which is great. Number 65 is Counter-Strike Global Offensive, another game that blew up in the esports scene. Is dummy final good. game. Yep. Uh, not really, They didn't even like... develop it. Is <sighs> dummy good. It's, it was a little rocky at first, uh, but it blossomed into... One of the best, sort of like multiplayer arcade style first person shooters that are left. Yeah. It's no, no other game really operates the way Counter Strike does now, besides a much later on, Rainbow Six Siege is is similar, but it has its own differences to it that make it interesting, like the like the different character classes and stuff. 
Yeah, and but, you could buy knives for a hundred dollars. Yeah, well, that's the worst part about from the game, dweebs. and that's why I didn't want to put it any higher than sixty-five. That's fine because I think it has the negative outweighs a lot. Even the best games sometimes have. Uh, Overwatch is not on this shit. list because of loot boxes. I think the knife stuff is more nefarious in Counter Strike, but whatever. It depends. Overwatch insanely popularized. Yeah, boxes. it was a big catalyst for the overpopularization yeah. of them. Like it, they're not utilized te- ne- technically, technically, very terribly. Nope, in Overwatch, was. but yeah, as it soon as you open, rod. as soon as you crack open the can on that one, you got fucking like NBA Two K shows up and with a little slot Star machine. Wars Battlefront shows up right. and all these things that do it terribly. Number sixty four is Hotline Miami. Is this here and two is not? Right. Okay, that's fine. As long as one of them gets a placement, that's an important I think game. they're they're about just as good as each other, I think. You can pick one or the other okay. once you play both of them. Uh, I prefer one, personally. You know, I really like two. Uh, that game's incredible. It's a, kind of a cultural moment for gaming. When that thing came out... And it, and it influenced a lot of dope games to follow, too. Like, like one of my top ten games from this year that I talked about in an earlier episode, Katana Zero. Heavily influenced by Hotline Miami. Lots of games yeah. are now. Mm-hmm. And people have run with that concept and made incredible things. Sorry, I just had to sing that one song from it. No, it's, it's good. You do it, it's great. <laughs> Number 63 is a complete shift in tone from that. Lisa the Painful. Oh, my God. Oh no! <laughs> that game is um, sad. Yeah. Funny. Depressing. Yeah. And really, really good. Like not really any game like it. No, honestly, it's, it's very different. Like it's a, I guess an Earthbound-ish style uh, RPG game, but not even quite. Yes. The battle screens just kind of look like Earthbound. And. Is it's, it's a very basic turn-based RPG in, like, in the normal combat. But where the game gets very interesting is the decisions it forces you to make. Where you can you either choose to like harm yourself for your party or sacrifice people or do all kinds of crazy shit no matter what just you to do, keep yourself going. It's usually a bad choice. Yeah. It, it's a game that presents you with a bunch of garbage. You have to pick whichever garbage you think is the least bad for either yourself or other people. And, and it's uh, all results in a very, like, depressing uh, story about survival and kids. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah, it really sucks. <laughs> it play sucks it. to play. Yep. But that's the point. Num- number 62 is XCOM, Enemy Unknown, which is uh, a re- a, basically a complete redo of XCOM. As a video game. And growing up, XCOM is very important to me. Growing up, I played every PC XCOM release, my two brothers. And we would sit down together and we'd make our squadron. We'd name all the people. We'd, we'd build them up ourselves. And then we'd each individually control them within the game just by passing around the mouse. And it's a, it's a turn based strategy game that's grid based. So you know you got you got your guys there. You got aliens, right? Yes. And you're trying to do different objectives with them. And you have to the battle aliens. them, right? You got to ki- either kill, capture, whatever. Yes. This game uh, takes that concept, modernizes it, makes it tighter, makes it smoother. 
I've heard of good things about the sequel as well. The sequel's just as good. Okay. And it's worth playing for sure. It's it's one of my favorite types of strategy game re-realized for the modern age. I know uh, next to nothing about it. The box art for XCOM 2, though, oh, it's dope. is really good. I, I appreciate good box art. Same as I can a good album cover. Doesn't I even am, matter if it's good. I can appreciate right. it either way. <laughs> I'm down to play XCOM with you if you want to sit down one night. And just make some dudes? I would try it. I played it very briefly. XCOM 2, actually, I believe. But, yeah. like, um, I don't know. I think that game's more fun with friends. I was playing it with a friend, but, like, I, I uh, it didn't really latch on to me. But this was, like, five years ago. Yeah. My tastes like have changed as far as games go. You started getting into a little bit more RPG stuff now, more than you were back then. I, I just try to broaden my horizons and not just play, like, you know, Tony Hawk. Right. <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> you know, you gotta you gotta do something different. Wanna guess how many Tony Hawk games are on this list? Uh, fucking hopefully none. Jesus yeah, Christ. Right. The only one that you could put on here is like the worst one they've ever made, so don't do that, please. Uh, number 61 is uh, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Another game that wow. I think gets a lot of shit for no reason. I didn't think it would crack the 100, though. Um, that's interesting. Uh, it definitely has its defenders. I believe you are one of them. I am. But uh, it definitely has its detractors as well. I think it's good that they changed the formula after this game and went with something new, but that doesn't mean this one's bad. Right. It gets a lot of hate, but and I wish some things were utilized better in it, but it's still it's still a Zelda game. For better or for worse, it's the best implementation of the Wii Remote Nunchuck combination of any game on that system. Yeah. For better or for worse, take it how you want it. I loved it. Um, right above that... And number 60, it's The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh. <laughs> They're this close? Yep. Were those the only two major Zeldas that came out? There was a Link Awakening, Link's Awakening remake, but I didn't put that on here. Right. And then there was, like, a bad 3DS game. It was kind of like Four Swords. <laughs> Triforce Heroes. Yeah, bad, yeah. bad okay. game. Not good game. But yeah, Breath of the Wild. Um, well, I mean, if you say so. I heard some people say it's good. But I don't yeah. like it. I mean, me... Josh and uh, my co-host on my other podcast, Corey, um, all got that game together when it released, and we all got sick of it in about two hours. Oh. So, <laughs> and we each live. bought a coffee. It was bad. But that, that's not Breath of the Wild, which is a great game. Yeah. I wanted it higher on this list. I got forced to put it lower. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, underneath hell? the next game that I don't like, which I'm going to talk about here in a second, but it's... What's above uh, it? What's above Breath of the Wild? Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah, that's bullshit. <laughs> Alright. Maybe it means more to people who, like, adore Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, um, no, I know who lobbied for this. Yeah. My, my, all their co-hosts and yep. my other podcast, Matt Dustman. Uh-huh. I don't like this game. I tried it for two hours, or three hours, and I stopped playing it, and I gave it back to my cousin. It's not a good video game. It plays like a PlayStation 2 video game. It plays like it came out 10 years ago. Yeah, it's one of those things, like, uh, it's not going to win you over if you're not a Kingdom Hearts fan already. Yeah. It's I like only Kingdom for Hearts. people that, like, are really into Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. I like Kingdom Hearts. So I thought the first two games were great. I like Chain of Memories. But this game sucks. It's not good. But well, it's anyway, on this list, I here guess. Here it is. <laughs> here it is. Uh, number 58 is the Resident Evil 2 remake. We talked about it a lot in a Thank previous God episode. Thank God it's above Kingdom Hearts 3. Absolutely. Oh, my um, God. It's the probably the best remake ever made. 
Uh, besides Resident Evil One remake, probably. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. They're they're like almost tied for first yeah. as far as best remake of all time. For right. Me. Mm-hmm. <sighs> they I don't both even know what comes close. Like it's fucking Resident Evil Two is so good. It's amazing. Number fifty-seven is Mario Kart Eight Deluxe. Best okay. version of Mario Kart ever. Did eight come out? No, it had to because it was Wii U game. Yeah. Okay, so just put Deluxe on here. Anyway. <laughs> well, because it's the same. Uh, I, I support pretending the Wii U didn't exist. That's fine. Yeah, there's no Wii U games on this list technically. They were already out in the Switch. Wow, you didn't put Star Fox Zero on there. No. You could have put Tropical Freeze, but I don't know if it Tropical Freeze your is out in the Switch. It doesn't. Okay. This is a good game though. Uh, number fifty six is Uncharted Three. Okay. The best Uncharted game. Maybe. I don't know. People, people, four? people argue about it all the time. I'm three, sure I think, they do. I think three is better than four. It's definitely an argument between two, three, and four. Right. I will. Because they're all really good. Float that possibility. <laughs> they're all like ten out of ten. <laughs> just pick one, bitch. Uh, it's like, what's your favorite Grand Theft Auto? It's not three. It's got to be one of the other ones that came after. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about that. It's like, yeah, sure. Uncharted one is fine. But, you know, it's only important because it lays the groundwork for what will come, which will just be better than it. Mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> uh, number 55 is uh, Fire Emblem Awakening, a 3DS game that uh, made me like Fire Emblem because I thought the other games before were, like, incredibly difficult, unapproachable shit. And playing Awakening was a great introduction to the series that allowed me to go back and play and enjoy those other games. Cool. Because it actually helped people... Fire Emblem had this problem back in the day, and the reason why it didn't sell copies back then, but it's selling, like, hotcakes now, is because it had nothing incorporated into it that, like, kind of shepherded people into that kind of brutal system. Yes. Uh, these games do it... Uh, this game and the uh, the other one of the Switch 3 houses do an excellent job at that. Well, because they let you date people. Well, no. <laughs> because they show you how the mechanic work. Okay. What better. And they give you an easier option if you wish to take it. Yeah, and they let you date people. Yeah. A, you can be a teacher and fuck your students. I was a normie and I fucked Lucina in that game. That's pretty normie. In a way, it was pretty normie, yeah. But, I mean, that's the character I like the it's most. It's like fucking Marth, if you think about it. I really like Lucina. I don't know. All right. <laughs> uh, number 54 is Destiny. Um, that was a uh, online gaming cultural zeitgeist when it launched. At first, not to great. The birth adoration. of the looty shooty game. Right. Well, I well think Borderlands not quite was that, but the this birth took of it the to, modern looty shooty game. This game took it to a different level. Took the, like a very online version of that. Mixed that that concept with an MMO, and ran with it. Amazing video game. It blossomed into something incredible. And uh, the original Destiny will always have a special place in my heart. I wish the second one lived up to it at all. Uh, number 53. Well, that's just, like, your opinion, man. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Um, I'm assuming that your brother will be screaming if he listens to that. No, it's the same thing. He has the same opinion. Oh, all right. We didn't, the Destiny 2 didn't crack this list at all. That's interesting. He plays it, like, way more than any other game, so um, I thought it would be We put here. thousands of hours into Destiny 1. Yeah. The thing is, Josh plays Destiny 2, but, like, by himself. <laughs> well, yeah. Because uh, everybody else fell out of it because it's not as good. Uh, number 53, Super Mario Odyssey. A very, very great Good. 3D Mario game. I Good. love it. Good. Um, number 52, a video game that I still have to play, but everybody else was like, it has to go here. Devil May Cry 5. Yeah, same. I want to play all of these games still. I have only eight played one mm-hmm. and didn't beat it, and I need to go back and play uh, through all of them, I guess, except two. But I'll even give two a chance. I don't care. I'll uh, try it. 
Yeah, number 51 is... I know we're only halfway through this list. We're not, I'm going to go quicker here. Number 51 is a game that was in the same vein as Devil May Cry 5, but slightly better, in my opinion, Bayonetta 2. Okay. It's just, it's just, it's just a better made game. i got to uh, play those at some point, too. <laughs> Hack and Slashes are really... Uh, under the radar for me. Like, I didn't play a lot of the God of Wars either when they were coming out. Yeah. You should catch really up on They're good games. Yeah. There's a lot underneath that hack and slash skin. Yeah. And there's different ways you can make that gameplay fun. Something Bayonetta 2 did a really good job of accomplishing. Something apparently Devil May Cry 5 does a really good I'll job of I'll look into it. I think Devil May Cry is the top priority of any franchise of those. Yeah, have fun playing me. too. I'm just going to shoot everything. I hear that's the way to beat that game. Yeah, it's really boring. <laughs> <laughs> Number 50... <laughs> Is uh, right smack back in the middle is a deadly premonition. <laughs> That's a funny place for it to be, because it is a game that is half good and half absolute trash. But that trash kind of feeds into like the weird enjoyment. Oh of the yeah, game. yeah. No, that's why it's good. I don't. I. Mm, your brother. Yeah, is the person who pushed this up here. By the way. Yeah, he's the only person. I didn't want it on the list. That I know that would have. I, I love Deadly Premonition. <laughs> it does not belong I don't on know this what list. it does to earn that. Like, you could put it on a bad game list, too, and it's fine. Right. I mean, like, it's basically like the like, room of video games, I guess. It's not that bad. I, I mean, I would, I would approach it more like looking at it in like a Metal Gear Solid context where like, yeah, a lot of that shit's dumb. So much of that shit's dumb, but that's partly why we enjoy those games. Yeah. Is the fucking Ocelot's hand getting cut off, and he goes, Wah! My hand! Right. It's like, you know, that's stupid. That's really dumb, but that's why we play those games sometimes. Yeah. But then, on top of that, is some, like, really interesting, cool shit. And a lot of unique elements. And then Twin Peaks. Yeah, it's literally Twin Peaks. <laughs> But, like, weird. It's Hideo Kojima's Twin Peaks. I guess. I, I, I find a lot of similarities in the weird dialogue-heavy weirdness that happens in I swear that, he is in that just game. a very unique developer. Yeah. I wish nothing but the best for him. I hope he makes a new new great game. <coughs> uh, Deadly Premonition Deadly 2? Premonition 2. I cannot believe that is a thing that is happening. That is the weirdest thing ever. It got... It became such a cult hit that he was able to procure funding. So weird. I hope it doesn't end up being like uh like bad because he's self aware now or something like that. No, he's like capable of making very good video games now. He no, actually he might, is. He actually the funny thing about it is Deadly Premonition Two might actually just be a legitimately good game. But <laughs> is that what we want it to be? <laughs> I wouldn't mind either way, honestly. As long as it's fun and like is either really fun, really fucking funny, or really engaging in some way. I'm curious either way. <laughs> Be, I think it would be incredible if you just could go play Deadly Premonition 2 and it's just suddenly this incredible game. <sighs> I think it would be great. Uh, number 49 is Ace Attorney 6. Uh, probably the, the definitely the best Ace Attorney game of this decade. Go play it. Number 48 is uh, Danganronpa 2, a game I haven't played. So I couldn't tell you anything about it. I hear those are good. I heard so too. I will play them eventually. Yeah, me too. Visual um, novel, right? Yeah. I would do that. Number 47, a game that is half a visual novel, Fire Emblem Three Houses. <laughs> Uh, now I, that's the one where you date people. I mean, and so so you don't also. But like, that's anything, the whole game. No, that's like half. It's the it. whole reason people like it. Uh, I wouldn't say that. There's good gameplay. In <laughs> I'm kind of just kidding, but like, there's know. good gameplay in there. And most the nice of the time when it, I hear people talk about Fire Emblem Three Houses, it's like them arguing about people's choices of the houses to join. Like, there's not even any. 
fuckable dudes in that one. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, number 45 is Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. I'm a game I'm so glad it's good and as good as it is. Uh, it's it's uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, except like modernized and absolutely brilliant in its own special way. It's Yay. Still, but it's not the highest Metroidvania on this list. That comes a little bit later. I know what it is. Um, number 45 is Cuphead. Fuck yeah, Cuphead. <laughs> Fuck yeah, Cuphead. Fuck yeah, that's all I have to say about His it. His head? Cup. Cup. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> number 44 is Titanfall 2. The best first-person shooter that you didn't play. Go play it. Hey, I have it. It's free. It's fine. Whatever. I'll play it. Whatever. Play it, please. Number 43, FTL, Faster Than Light. Uh, very interesting, uh, I don't know, uh, kind of galaxy trucker uh, <laughs> PC video game. <laughs> All right. And when I heard people say that FTL is kind of galaxy trucker, I didn't know what they meant until I played galaxy trucker very recently. And I was like, oh. Oh, you mean literally the board game galaxy trucker. Right. Okay. Elements of it in there. So we've been playing that a lot recently. And right. It's, it's just a start- fun time. I hate that game. It's a fun time. I hate that game. Yeah, that's kind of the point. FTL kind of does the same thing. because it stresses me out and just preys on all my mental hiccups <laughs> just makes me want to die uh, oh man uh, 42 is Metal Gear Solid 5 The Phantom Pain yay hell yeah dude great open world game um, number 41 uh, The Walking Dead Season 1 that's probably gotta be the only Telltale game on here I mean, it you is. probably could have made a case for Wolf Among Us but like I, I feel like this high it's only gonna be The Walking Dead I, I understand um yeah it's important. Changes how uh, game stories are yeah, no, it revolutionized and like, made. Yeah, a lot of game storytelling. I think it's one of the best told stories. Uh, it's still one of their best games, bar none. I think like, it's still their best game easy. I don't think they've topped it at any point. No, probably not. Uh, I mean, like, I don't know. They well, certainly haven't topped it in the Walking Dead series as a whole. No. Like, two and three and four. Not None of good. them have lived up to that. It's hard to. That's fine, though. Yeah. Uh, number 40, uh, God of War 2018. Okay. Uh, amazing game. Go play it. Number 39, Yakuza 0. The entry point into the Yakuza series. Incredible game. Um, on its own merits, probably one of the best, probably the second best story in Yakuza. Of all the games. Of all the games. Okay. Still not the best story of all the games, so that's coming up. Yeah, I've I've heard so. Yeah, but Zero is fucking great. It's goofy. It's fun. Um, the two different characters you get to play as Cosmo Kiryu, who's kind of the main character of the entire franchise, and for the first time in the series, in Yakuza Zero, and the only time, Goro Majima, who uh, is a fucking madman and is great. Uh, he spends the rest of the game as kind of being like the Joker to your Batman. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm hearing that it's very, uh, I it's, mean, like, knowing where he ends up, that story is fucking nuts yeah, it's, and insane. It's so good. Yeah. Majima's progression as a character, especially with the context of Zero now, is fucking amazing. Mm. My god, dude. Like, because I played, <laughs> I played, like, 3, 4, and 5 before Zero came out, right? Yes. And then, you get Majima before he's, like, nuts he's still a little nuts but not like nuts nuts and i'm like what the fuck <laughs> yeah i've heard it's a little jarring for people that like uh like Yakuza. play zero and then play kiwami yeah because he's like well i mean it's almost like two different characters if you finish zero you should know yeah no i got that but like 
I always think back on this, like the year that those both came out in the same year, by yeah. the way, uh, Game Informer does their end of year rankings and stuff, or at yeah. least they, they did. I don't know. Hopefully Game Informer exists. Barely. At, at some point. Uh, but anyway, so they do the rankings of top 10 characters, but then they also do top 10 dorks, and Majima was on top of both lists for different Hell games. Hell yeah, dude. Because he was best character for Zero. Dork number one for Kiwami, because like they were just like, he goes from being... This interesting, super layered character to just being a trash demon that attacks you at all, t- at all turns. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but that's cool, though, too. Like, I think I mean, adds- people love how memey he is at this point, too. Um, I think it adds to the weight of what happens in Yakuza Zero, actually. Yeah. That everything that all the events of that game kind of twist him so far that he does turn into like a trash demon. It's an origin story for a trash demon. Right. Yeah. Told in the best way possible. Right. Great game. Um, actually, I lied about fighting games. Um, number 38 is the highest fight rated fighting game on this list, and it's Ultimate, Mar- 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 Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Oh, okay. Twisted my tongue there for a Are second. Are you ready for the fight of your life? Yeah, it's still, it's still a fucking incredible game, and they couldn't live up to it with the fourth one. Yeah, I, I doubt that's on here. Ah. Mm, nah. It's Marvel, baby. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> Number 37 is Stardew Valley. Uh, Harvest Moon can't oh, doesn't farm. have shit on this. Farm and get the stuff. <laughs> it's the best Harvest Moon game that's not titled Harvest Moon. And you could date people. Mm-hmm. You'd always give them people. egg. You can't give them egg. <laughs> this is correct. <laughs> <laughs> date me. Here's an egg. <laughs> I present you a nice egg. Um, Stardew Valley is a game that had I had actually had trouble clicking with, which is very weird because I've been a big fan of Harvest Moon ever since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then Stardew Valley came out and it did not click. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? I love these kind of games. Then the multiplayer came out for it and I started playing it with my friends. Ah. And, then it, and then it fucking clicked. And now I'm just playing on my own. It's an incredibly important update for that game. Oh yeah, absolutely. Being able to play that Play that fucking dope-ass game with your friends. It's just the best thing ever. Good game. Uh, number 36 is Monster Hunter uh, 4 Ultimate. Okay. Which is the best, like, portable version of Monster Hunter, especially the one in that style before Monster Hunter World came out and flipped that entire series on its head. Y'all biased putting two Monster Hunter games on this list. They're great. At least I'm guessing. They're fucking great. I'm sure. Okay. Well, I get to, I get to provide my opinion. <laughs> I'm just going to be a sassy bitch about it. Oh, it's... You never even tried. Don't put Spider-Man on. You never even tried Monster Hunter. Nope. I know I won't like it that's from fine. what I've seen. Like that that's probably not like what I I like when things have health bars. I really do because I like knowing how much damage I'm doing in any single instant. And I like I don't know, I just feel like I would be very upset at how monotonous hitting monsters is in that game at least from what it looks like now i have not played it yeah it's not i'm just it guessing used, now it used to be with like monster for ultimate a lot more monotonous than it is now yeah there's a lot of different shit you can do and especially like i'm just not into it like i mean I'm, I'm into it somewhat from like just watching you guys play it but it is what it is oh, whatever no biggie uh number 35 is limbo hell yeah one of the big, besides like maybe Super Based. Meat Boy, one of the big Xbox Live Arcade games that kind of kicked yeah. this whole thing off and changed indie games forever. Limbo Creepy. Um, do you put Inside on here? I have yet to play Inside. I elected to put Limbo instead. Have you played Inside? 
Yes. Okay. I'm uh, I'm curious to give that a shot. It's very good. I don't know a whole lot about it. I just know it's the Limbo Man. <laughs> I, I I elected to put. I actually think I like Inside a little bit more than Limbo, but I elected to put Limbo on here instead because of its importance. It also has that art style. That's right. Really cool. I, I like the art yeah. style Limbo better than Inside too. Yeah. Uh, number thirty-four, oh, an equally as important indie game, I think, Bastion. Okay. Um, by Supergiant Games, which launched their c- careers into making uh, all kinds of very interesting games. And that game kind of changed how storytelling was kind of done for indie games in a certain way. While providing for action, the narration in it's great as you're going around and playing the game. The art style's really great. Great game. Number 33 is To the Moon. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's fine. I can't even argue that, with game that is, at all. That game is something. Um, it's a truly unique experience, and I I beg anybody to play it. I think it's out on Switch now, or it's going to be out on Switch. Neat. Uh, number 32 is Persona 3 Portable, which is a game that I personally do not like that much, but other people put on here. Uh-oh, this means the other ones are higher. Uh, Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah they all, all three of these I Persona had to get, I had here. to assume, if you put three at all, you're putting the portable one and not the base game. Well, because the base game came out before 2010 yes. as well. That's, that's, uh, that's weird. I wouldn't have put it at all, considering it is just a re-release of the game. It's very different. Oh, is it? Yeah, it changes the way the game works. Is it like the second release kind of cycle of that? Yeah, it, but it because, um, like strangely new... enough, as like a kind of a positive side effect of it being a PlayStation Portable game. It became more playable. Right. It did become yeah. infinitely more playable. Persona it's faster. makes a lot of sense being a portable to me. Yeah, me too. Uh, and it's honestly amazing that I got through Persona Five, but it was so engaging to me that it I like did. Really slow. But Persona Five would be cool on the Switch. Yeah, but it's I not think. happening. Yeah, I know it should though. It really should. I don't know it's if there's a whole lot keeping it from being on there, but hopefully they do. Well, it probably a lot of technical shit keeping it from being on there. But they could they could do a, do a dummy down. They, they when would they make Persona the good portable. Switch, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see <laughs> if they make the good Switch. Right know. above that, number thirty-one is the Outer Wilds, a truly unique experience that I talked about. Bless. A couple weeks ago. Yeah. Please don't, play uh, don't look up anything about that game. Just no, play it. Just play it. And then just go like, what the fuck is happening? And then you'll be like, oh, that's what this game is. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it's great. That's how you play that game. Number 30 is the best Pokemon game, uh, Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Oh, nice. Is this the only Pokemon game on the list? Yep. I assume you did say the best of yep. all of them. It so, is the best duh. Pokemon game still. This one deserves to be on there. I, I, I accept I accept this placement. Has a lot of features that still aren't in Pokemon games. Thank you, Game Freak. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm like, it's the only game that it had that like a lot of features happened in and then just like never came back. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Please let my Pokemon follow me. Just, all the, in every game. Right. And then I love they, that shit. they brought that feature back for Let's Go, and it was great. And then they took it away again. I know it's a lot to ask for. A thousand Pokemon or whatever. Well, there ain't even that many in nope. Sun, Sword and Shield, but They could have done it. Eh, whatever. They had models. Mm. Uh, number 29, The Stanley Parable. Bless. Bless this game. Th- that game, great. Is that coming out on consoles yet? It sure I really is very want soon. to plat Stanley Parable. It's coming out on everything, I think. PlayStation 4, Xbox One. I am frightened to death that they make you get every single ending to get the plat, because that means... You have to sit there for... You have to get... <laughs> the baby ending yep. where you like uh, okay that got, you know I don't even want to explain it fuck you no you figure it out for yourself 
<laughs> Number 28 is the best MMORPG that came out this decade, Final Fantasy XIV. Oh, cool. Uh, it's, it's not my personal cup of tea, but I appreciate it for what it is, which is just literally that, that MMO aspect, you know, very similar to something like World of Warcraft. Um, but taking it and making it a much more approachable, accessible system with a better dungeon system, a better story, and a lot more freedom to do what you want with your classes and characters. And on top of that, it's Final Fantasy shit. Right. So and also, it's, like, it's cool. fun stuff like Nier and other stuff, too. In uh-huh. there too. It's really cool. They had a Monster Hunter collaboration where you could fight Rathalos. That was really fucking cool. That's pretty cool, dang. Yeah. And then inversely, you were able to fight uh, a Final Fantasy boy in Monster Hunter. Mm-hmm. You got to fight, uh, was it Behemoth? Sephiroth. Oh, <laughs> that's that's that guy I know from that one Final Fantasy game I played. Yeah, I didn't beat, but whatever. I have time. They're gonna make like three games out of Final Fantasy Seven, so I got time to get yeah. caught up. Yeah, they sure are, aren't they? <laughs> Fuck. Number twenty-seven is The Witcher Three: The Wild Hunt. Who would have guessed that this would have been on there? Oh God, what a good game! Um, my my personal favorite open world game that came out this decade. I love it very much. I already loved The Witcher before going into this game. I was buying the books. and I was buying and reading the books. I played the first two games. I was like, this is the fucking jam. Witcher 3 came out and took that big fucking good-ass jam of a fantasy story. And on top of it, put a great open world that you could go fuck around in and hunt monsters in. And Gwent. Which is addicting as fuck. Card game. It's great. And now, so and now we have a show. That's a, by the way, watch the first episode of it. Fuck yeah. Mm. It's great. Dumb Superman kills it as... as <laughs> Dumb Superman. Uh, I believe his name is pronounced Henry Cavill. Yeah, Dumb, that's what I said. Dumb Superman. Yes. Kills it as Geralt of Rivia. I'm kills sure it. we'll bitch about him eventually on our show. Uh-huh, he's he's coming up. show up in uh, yeah. our Batman movies, but, you know. He's hey. not meant to play Superman. Apparently, he was meant to play Geralt of Rivia, though. He's a true alpha Chad gamer, by the way. Yeah. They always interview him, and, and whenever there's a video game question, he gives the best answer. Hey, they man. asked him, hey, you like PS4 or Xbox? He's like, nah, PC. Fuck you. <laughs> of course you would play on PC. And then he, you got then the he money. talked about falling in love with Witcher 3 and playing Gwent to death and I'm like, that's who should play Geralt then. Yeah. Definitely get somebody who knows about that oh, shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, and he nails it, too. He does the fucking... He, he, he did the thing where, like, this girl said something to him, and he did the Geralt grunt. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, <Nice>. holy shit. <laughs> so let me ask you something for yeah. real, though. I, not to sidetrack this any further. But no, you're fine. If I wanted to play Witcher 3, like, should I play the first two? I, I think the first one aged like shit. This is my main concern, is that I don't know if I want to play these the, the old janky first one, or I'm, two even. And two also, has, they're harder to find, like, you know, like, I just have a PS4, I can't play them on that. Nope. You gotta, you you know, what, what are they, your, PC? Or you, could, like, you could play The Witcher 2 on your 360. Okay, but what about one? Uh, PC. Yeah, this, this and is I don't thing. think it's worth playing anyway. Okay. Now, and, you know, like... As a modern game, the the first Witcher uh, age like shit, and it's really hard to play. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Great story, but it's really difficult to play. Uh, the Witcher Two is a lot more tolerable, uh, and also a very good game. But like, 
is there anything that would be like I would be missing out if I just looked up like I don't know a YouTube video about no. what happened? You also watch season one of The Witcher. Okay, that's deals fine. With a lot of the stuff that happens in the first game. Oh, okay. So you could just watch the first season of The Witcher and then go play The Witcher two. I'm alright with that. <laughs> It's definitely up there for me and things that I really want to try, but it's, it's hard for me to take a jump into a big, big boy game <laughs> that is like a billion hours. It's like my second favorite fantasy thing outside of The Hobbit. Okay. So. That's that's pretty big praise. Yeah. No, I absolutely love it. That does it well, not, not Game of Thrones. Game. Nope. It's not Game of close. Thrones. Nowhere close. I appreciate the ch- dumb, cheesy-ass Deathgate saga more than I do Game of Thrones. <laughs> Dang. Now, That's to be fine, fair, though. I only started the first book, but watching the show, great show. Um, as a Look, it's fantasy, close to a point, yeah. As, as a fantasy, mm, it's all right. The fantasy elements are possibly the weakest part yep, of, of Game of Thrones. Yep, that's the thing about Game of Thrones. As like a fantasy genre show, I guess. Eh. It works as more of a like a historical drama, right? I guess. That's kind of where I categorize Without it, real honestly. history, yeah. yeah. It's kind of where I categorize that. But anyway, time for more categorization. We're, we're almost done with this list. We're close. Uh, number 26 is Near Automata. That makes sense. Great game with 100,000 endings. Go and get it. It is better than Near 1. So. It is. Fun little hack and slashy platinum style. Very good. And that character has a fat ass. Yep. The game director said they don't give her a fat ass. They're fired. So they so, gave her a fat so ass. So obviously it's a 10 out of 10 experience. Enjoyable by all. Obviously. Um, number 25 is Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, uh, which is a very harrowing game that deals with uh, mental illness in a very strange way. Yeah, yeah, sort of yeah. That game's near the top of my list on, like, I need to play that. Yeah. Uh, you have to wear coming out, too. You have to wear a headset while playing it. Um, I recommend you wear my really nice Sennheiser headset. Oh, okay. Because the sound quality is all fuck. Spooky. <laughs> oh man, makes it it increases the spook. Fuck. It's all very right. good. Number twenty four. Here's the highest rated Yakuza games. Yakuza six, the Song of Life. Yeah, I was figuring as much. I think this is. You've said this is your favorite, which is quite an accomplishment for the sixth entry in the series. Yep. Yeah, uh, it's because well, I mean, a lot of it is like it's it's the closure of Kazuma Kiryu's story, so it wraps up a lot of stuff. Um, a lot of loose ends and stuff like that introduces a bunch of great characters for this last little leg of the run it also you, you pretty much spend the entirety of the Yakuza series being like like beating the shit out of a lot of guys but then also experiencing Kiryu kind of like trying to grow as a dad while also struggling to uh, keep the Yakuza from like fucking up his life Right. And also, at some point, managing the Yakuza so they don't fuck up other people's lives. And him, like, kind of doing the balancing act of all of that. This game is all of that, except also him being a grandpa. (laughs) And fuck yeah, dude. (laughs) It's some shit sometimes. There's a minigame with the baby. You know how everybody was talking about, like, the baby minigame in Death Stranding? Hideo Kojima literally stole that from Yakuza 6. Ah! Like... Straight up stole it from Yakuza Six. It works much of the same way. That's all right. But that's only for best if you're gonna steal. Yeah, but that's literally only from like for like one quest in the game. Thank God, we're desperating. That's the whole fucking time. The rest of Yakuza Six is playing the crane game at the arcade. Yeah, it is, dude. (laughs) So little. I know we're going long, but little sidebar. So 
I went out to some random place in Western Ohio with my parents a couple weeks ago. They wanted to go looking for a camper, and they asked me if I wanted to come along. I was like, sure, I'll go with them, and I went with them. And we went out to breakfast and stuff and hung out, which we haven't done in a long time. So, we go to, we just go to a fucking random-ass Denny's, okay? <laughs> That's like attached to, like a, like a truck stop. Okay? Down Off the here at the truck stop. So we go inside this Denny's, and it's like a big Denny's with like a like one side of it's Denny's, and the other side's a fucking convenience store truck stop thing. Mm. It's fucking crazy big. But right when I walked in the door, I looked to my right. It's literally a Sega UFO catcher. Oh shit! And I was like, I've trained my whole life for this. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. I got some fucking quarters. What's one of those doing in the America? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like. Well, my it's time. I've trained my whole life for this. I got some quarters, and I didn't get shit. Yeah, it's easier in Yakuza. Well, it's easier in Yakuza where all the stuffed animals are, like, separated from each other, and you just like, kind of, like, strategically grab them. Yes. When uh, his, when these, they just kind of stuff them, and then they stuff them tight on purpose so you can't pull shit out. What was and, in it, by the way? Uh, there was a bunch of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, I think there was a Sonic in there. Oh, okay. Um, there was... Uh, there's like a bunch of like it's like a like regular bullshit. There's like some emojis in there. There was a My Little Pony in there. I was trying to grab that from my niece. I didn't get it. I didn't get anything. I think there's like it's like a Mr. Peanut. Who's oh, now man. dead? Who's now dead? Pour one out. R.I.P. <laughs> there's like a bunch of just like goofy. You don't think he's dead? American ass shit in there. Nah, he's not dead. How's that gonna work? They'll figure it out. <laughs> no, I think he should just be dead. <laughs> That'd be great. No, but... that's like you know what you know what whatever. <laughs> a lot of people are memeing on it and be like, "Is this advertising now?" But like, I mean, like, do you know what you're fucking doing? You're talking about it. You're talking about peanuts. Mm-hmm. That's it's genius. Mm-hmm. I can't. I have no choice but to stand their decision to kill Mr. Peanut. <laughs> like, I hope they stick the landing as it were and just he's dead <laughs> and like they find some other way to advertise after this recent advertising push anyway continue with your list yes Sorry. please there's, there's still 23 entries left talk about mr peanut it's important <laughs> uh number 23 is red dead redemption oh shit i thought you were gonna say two nope but you said one yep it means two is higher yep that's fair. God, I gotta play Red Dead Redemption 2. Red Dead Redemption 1. Because I love Red Dead Redemption 1. Damn. Oh, yep. well, goddamn, that game is goddamn good. The story of John Marston uh, and in his tale of redemption mm. is fucking incredible and uh, does a lot of great stuff for Rockstar Urban World Games. Yeah. And uh, it's one of their best games good. in general. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's uh, one I gotta of my replay favorites. it. But you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna literally do it after I beat 2. Yep. Because it leads into it. it sure does, buddy. And uh, I'll probably just be like, Great, more Red Dead. Wait, this isn't as good. Oh, well, fuck it. And <laughs> just play it anyway. I'm good at adjusting to Rockstar's older games. I think you'll be fine. Like, God, I've platted GTA 3 and Vice City and San Andreas. I think I'll be all right. Yeah. With adjusting to Red Dead Redemption 1. Oh, yeah. That, that game actually, it's, it's not... Controls vaguely like GTA 4, which yeah. is one of my favorite games of all it time. It doesn't control so. terrible. Actually, it, it's a little tighter than GTA 4 because it came out after. Oh, yeah. So they no. made some adjustments. Well, it's not hard to be a little tighter than GTA 4. Yeah. With the cars that feel like you're driving on ice. Oh, yeah. The horseback riding is much better. Yes. <laughs> uh, number 22 is uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. This the, makes sense. The most important Battle Royale game, the one that started it all, really. It is... Uh, 
super important for what came after it, which is higher up on this list. That's inter- That's going to be interesting to talk about, actually. Yeah. But I didn't want to get to it. Uh, <laughs> number 21, actually, I lied to you again, Herm. Uh, There's a third Zelda game on this list. Oh, I know what it is now. Yep. I just thought about it. Legend of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds. Well, you put this one up very high. I think it's like the second best Zelda game. Like ever? Yeah. This is way higher praise than I usually hear for Link Between Worlds. It is. Not that I hear that it's bad. I usually hear that it's great, but like it is just like Link to the Past style game. It's different from A Link to the Past. Definitely. Yes. It's a sequel. Right. So it plays like one. It plays like there's a lot of stuff. It has a lot of stuff from A Link to the Past in it, but done better. So I don't know. Take one of the greatest games of all time and make it better. Remember when RE2 did it? It's kind of a similar concept. Okay. But but then also adding to a little bit of a plot of that game, um, introducing some really cool new systems like the tool rental system, which is fucking crazy. Hmm. And a system I thought I would hate, but I ended up growing to love because it makes you like pick and choose what you're doing and figuring out what you need for certain dungeons and stuff is really fun. It's great. And the, the, uh, it's one of the only times when the new base gimmick got introduced to a Zelda game, and I really enjoyed it. Because instead of a fucking dumbass musical instrument, like it's been since Ocarina of Time, because I can't let it go, you go into the wall as a painting. And the puzzles and stuff you get to solve doing that are fun. They're really cool. The okay. game is great. Next, at number 20, is Grand Theft Auto V. A lot of rock stars. The highest selling game, the highest selling thing of all time. Of all time. Yes. Uh, For a reason. That's just a crazy thing that that game accomplished. Um, and it ain't even my favorite Grand Theft Auto game. No. But, like, it's I love that game. Though. It's a great game. They do a lot of good things with that. Uh, I really wish they, like, I'm really hoping with the next GTA they can buckle down and do a story and not just focus on the online. Because, like, while GTA Online is fun. It isn't my favorite part about that game. Yeah. My favorite part about that game is going through the story. And uh, <laughs> the story isn't perfect, but it's still my favorite part of that game. Because, yeah. like, you know, the world is so nice. It's not nice, but, like, <laughs> it's, it's so the well opposite done. of nice because it's a GTA world. But still, it's really well done. It's, an, it's, really, it's really well done. It's a very clever parody of America. Yeah. It's very good. Uh, I love GTA. Uh, number 19 is Bioshock Infinite. Okay. Which, uh, I mean, what what don't you know about that fucking game? It's incredible. That's pretty high, but it's incredible. that's cool. It plays like a dream. Number 18 is Animal Crossing New Leaf. Wow. <laughs> okay. Hot damn, is that game good? God damn, is Animal Crossing fucking amazing? This is the game that Reggie is playing on his Nintendo 3DS, right? Pro- probably okay. right now, dude. All right. If he's not preparing, like, a fucking college seminar. He's playing Animal Crossing New Leaf I mean, on his Nintendo me. 3DS. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a TV that looks like an apple. <laughs> Number 17, um, Hollow Knight. This is the highest ranked Metroidvania. I've it had sure is, and for a good reason. It's game beautiful. Yeah, it's a game that is that achieves absolute beauty in its complete disgusting darkness. Yeah. Which is but that art style is great. I love that amazing. really simplistic, but not art yeah, style. It's very interesting. Uh, it has one of the best gaming soundtracks from this year, uh, second to one that's coming up later. 
Not this year, I mean this decade. Sorry. I meant. It's Ooh. a year if you don't know how to, what a year is. Correct. So, there you go. You're fine. <laughs> Fuck you. Nailed it. All Night's Great Play It Please. Sequel's coming out this year. I'm excited. Number 16 is Persona 4 Golden. This is uh, probably, in my opinion, the best Persona game. So, 5 is higher than it. And I'm literally lost, at the next spot, so I might as well just talk, to both of them. That's talk fine. about both of them. Okay. Uh, both these Persona games are amazing. Persona. Great RPGs. Almost the top of the line for what they do. Um, I think Persona 4 is just a very slightly better game, maybe because I think it serves better as a portable video game compared to one that you have to sit in front of your console for 100 hours doing monotonous bullshit. Read all the books, man. Yeah, I didn't want to. And, 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 like, and choosing not to do shit like that kind of hurt me in the end of the game, which is like stupid and uh. makes me mad. But it's easy, but it's easier to like want to do that kind of stuff when you're just like on a commute or sitting down somewhere. I really hope they find some way to have that game be on the Switch. Yeah. I really do. Me too. Uh, number 14, the uh, best Kickstarter game ever made, Shovel Knight. Nice. Uh, big old love letter to uh, a lot of classic video games like Mega Man and uh, Ghouls and Ghosts and many others. Yeah, and then even more when you get to the DLC and things right. like that. Yeah. Where, where shit changes. The whole treasure trove is a very great, interesting experience. Uh, Shovel Knight's fucking dope. Great soundtrack. Really tight, awesome gameplay. There's cooperative in it, which is fun. In the Switch version, at least. Great, great, great game. And it revolutionized a lot of stuff for the way games were funded. Because Kickstarter was around, but it didn't get as much attention for the games department until Shovel Knight got kickstarted, and it was a success. And then people started going like, huh... <laughs> Number 13 is Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, which is just the, the best Smash game. Hey, that's so the highest-ranked fighting game. Although Sakurai said it's not a fighting game. Yeah. But yeah, you know what it is. Yep. It's it's, the, it's, uh, it's one of the best games ever made, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, An absolute love letter to video games as a whole. Yes, and I hope it continues to do so, and we don't just get six more Fire Emblem characters. But who knows? Oh, who knows? <laughs> Number 12, Red Dead Redemption 2. Okay. Which, uh, in my opinion, is a narrative accomplishment games have not been able to hit, that we're not able to hit up to that point, and probably won't be able to hit for a long time. That game is a slow burn. It is a slow, slow burn. But when it hits you, it fucking... It hits you like a fucking train going at 250 miles an hour out of nowhere, and you feel it for hours... And then those hours become days, and those days become months, and now it's been almost two years, and I still can't stop, stop thinking about Red Dead Redemption 2. It's, our, Arthur Morgan's journey is incredible. Um, the way that game ends is breathtaking. Uh, there's multiple moments in that game where you just think to yourself, wow, I can't believe this happened. Look at this beautiful scenery anything like that and there's some plenty of amazing small character moments through side quests and other stuff you could do um, just walking throughout the various towns in this game and like the different lifestyles that occur in them and the way all the fucking NPCs act in those contexts and the places that they live is just fascinating to even see uh, there are, I have a couple very small gripes with the game which is like the, the fucking hunger system is annoying and like serves no actual purpose 
Yeah. But it doesn't really get in the way. Okay. Because you're going to eat stuff to heal anyway. So you just kind of like, eh. as long as you're doing stuff, you'll know to keep up on it. And the game does a very good job telling you, hey, you need to eat. And you, you always have food on you, so you just eat. Okay. Okay. So it's not really a big deal. Um, I think everything else that the game accomplishes besides that vastly outweighs the negative. 11 out of 10. Can't wait for Red Dead 3. I'm just kidding. I don't know what the fuck they would even do. I don't know. It's going to happen, though. They're going to keep it going. Eventually. Unfortunately. It's a prequel to 2. They just keep doing that. Keep going back. (laughs) It goes forward, but it doesn't. (laughs) It's so funny because, like, thinking about it now, and, like, now in my brain, Arthur's story is so important to the first Red Dead Redemption to me now. Yeah, that's really cool in retrospect, considering we didn't even know who that was. Yeah. Going into one. And now he's, like, one of my favorite video game characters ever, which is a man who I started the game hating and ended the game, like, falling in love with. That's cool. So. It takes Good character development, damn. Great character development. One of the best. Definitely. Eleven. Monster Hunter World. Which we kind of talked about a little bit there. It's the best version of Monster Hunter, like one that takes the game and finally fully modernizes it. It plays like a fighting game against monsters. But with some friends, and you beat it up. It's very good. Kill you know, A lot of great RPG mechanics. The monsters are all varied, interesting, have different kinds of attack patterns for you to learn. All the weapons are... Uh, each weapon that you pick up is basically like playing a different video game. Every time you walk in, they operate entirely differently. You have to figure out what, what to, to do and not to do with each weapon, and you operate it as such. It's really fun. I, I recommend it with friends, because that's the best way to play it. Number 10 is The Last of Us. Another game that I think is a narrative achievement in video games. Just came out before Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> Sequel coming out this year. Uh-huh. Gonna be not something. Gonna be not as good. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Understandable. It's gonna be a different kind of story, I think. Yeah. And uh, isn't gonna be as probably the hard-hitting or close to home as the first one is. Huh. I think that's where it's probably going to end up lacking, but I think it'll still be a great story. Um, the Last of Us is an impeccable storytelling. Naughty Dog continues to prove that in this, in this these previous two generations of games, that they are they are the kings of these kind of video games, and they will continue to make them, and hopefully make them great. We're going to find out here very soon. Number nine, uh, a cultural zeitgeist video game that I actually still like myself, is Pokemon Go. Oh, that's the highest Pokemon game on here. Technically, yeah. Mm. But like Corp, that's not the best Pokemon game, in my opinion. But you rank it higher because of the phenomenon that happened. The importance of it. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, this game, still even to an extent, is a cultural zeitgeist. It completely changed mobile games, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and also, like, brought even more attention to Pokemon in an era where the interest in Pokemon was waning a little bit. If you remember, like, in the time before that came out, he was waiting a little bit. A little bit. Pokemon's impressive to me because it's one of those things, uh, much like superhero movies, that uh, I think everybody was going like, ah, it's a fad. Right. The late 90s when it started becoming popular. Because it just blew up so quick that everybody just assumed that it would be. But it's had this staying power for, like, Mm -hmm. 20 years And just when it started to falter a little bit, Pokemon Go came out. Yeah. And then... It felt like the 90s again, man. 
Yeah, it's crazy. Everybody was super nostalgia heavy. It felt like I was heavy. a six-year-old fucking running around, like, loving Pokemon with all these fucking strangers. It's pretty cool, man. It was really cool. It was great, just a great moment in gaming, in my opinion. Um, number eight is Celeste. That's the best video game soundtrack of the decade. Composed by Lena Rain, who is fantastic. And, uh made a fucking incredible soundtrack to complement this challenging intentionally serves the story in a way platformer yes uh, Celeste has some great art not only in the gameplay segments but the segments outside of it at the end of each chapter gives you some nice little picture or something else in artwork that's really cute but that's not what makes the game incredible what makes the game incredible is those two things interlaced with the um, like pretty much top-of-the-line platforming gameplay that happens here. Um, scaling the mountain is fun as fuck, as much as it is challenging and will probably piss you off at a couple points. But that's the point. This game is about overcoming shit. And so, within that, it uses the game to make you overcome shit. And it's cool. It's a great video game. Best platformer of the decade. Number seven. Portal 2. Uh, a game that needs no okay. fucking introduction. You know what the hell it is. Nah. And it's still funny, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's still I saw still someone funny. tweeting about it, and it's, it's interesting to think about, because I think they were specifically dunking on Borderlands 3. Yeah. And they were saying, uh, you know, it's interesting how Portal 2 is still really fucking funny, because they literally made a conscious effort to not just reference memes and just be funny on their own merits. Yeah. Like, all the comedy is original and comes from situations in the game. And that's, they're not just references. Oh, dude, going back and playing, like, Borderlands 2. You're playing Borderlands 3. Yeah. It's like, God, oh, look, thanks for referencing these old memes, you fucking idiots. Uh, I get it. It's, it's a, it's a Rick, Rick and Morty joke. Dude, I can't even play Borderlands 3. Uh. It might play great. I don't care. I don't want to fucking get bombarded with, with, like, stupid fucking dad jokes and dumb meme references for, like, 30 hours. I'm good. I'm good. Sometimes it could be funny, I'm sure. But I'm sure know, it's I, funny at points. I, I've I'm seen just, a couple uh, legitimately funny things from it. Yeah, it doesn't make up for, like, it's trying to be funny constantly. It's like Family Guy or some shit where right. it's like, I don't even have a t- chance to fucking, like, relax. Yeah. You know? That implies that I'm laughing the whole time, but I'm not. I'm more saying, like, it's just, like, you know, very fast-paced ADD generation kind of shit. Right. Trying to be like that. And it's like it's not it's not my thing anymore. Whereas like the timing of humor in Portal Two is uh, Glados gets put into a potato, and you get to fall down a shaft for about two minutes with her as a potato. Yes, and that joke gets to sit, and you get to laugh at Glados being in a potato. Yeah, that game for two has minutes. great pacing of its jokes. Oh, it makes yeah. them work really well. And also on top of that, it's a great puzzle game. Oh yeah, very fun because Portal. Yep, and then it has the co-op aspect, which is an entirely different yes. game. Yeah, that's which is crazy. fucking dope. It's two games mm-hmm. for a price one game. Remember when people used to be cool like that? Yeah, remember when they made two games? You know, now they just be the campaign $60 and charge you 30 for the multiplayer later on. <laughs> Valve has gone to shit. Uh, number six is uh, Bloodborne. A, this is the highest Souls game on here? Yep, and the highest PlayStation exclusive. Ah, okay. My my favorite of the PS4 generation, exclusive-wise. Bloodborne takes that good old Dark Souls concept and goes, fuck you, make it faster. 
You wanted a shield? Fuck you. You don't get it. Figure it out, bitch. And it <laughs> kicks you into a gothic world full of bullshit, and you have to deal with it. Sick. It's great. <laughs> God, I'm really intimidated by how hard those games are, but I think if I do try one, I will probably start with Bloodborne. I would recommend everybody to, to try Bloodborne first. Okay. Uh, it, it's, it's, in that, it's more fast-paced, and you don't have a shield. I think it's the most accessible of the Dark Souls games, the, the Soulsborne series. It's not as defendy. Yeah, it's not as slow. Yeah. And like I think that gets I think that it's I don't think it's so much the difficulty that really turns people off of Dark Souls. I think it's the pace. I could see that. I could see that. Dark Souls is a very slow series. It mm. is not meant to be wickedly fast like Bloodborne or Sekiro is. Um and that I think that really turns people off from it. And they they they're talking about how it's too hard, but no, they just don't want to slow down. And the game won't let you survive like that. Bloodborne will. But you still have to think about your actions. But then, like, but what you're thinking about is, how do I open this guy up so I could beat the piss out of him really fast? And when do I dodge? When do I heal? Etc. Yes. It's, it's a lot faster in that aspect, and it makes for a more enjoyable experience. And plus, the uh, the theme is fucking great. It's so... The aesthetic is so good. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite part about it. Oh, yeah. The world is amazing. Uh, number five is Undertale. Top five, Undertale, yes. Toby Fox's absolute masterpiece of a video game. Instant classic. Yeah. Yeah. There, that is, uh, there hasn't really been a game in, in, like, a very long time. That made me, like, laugh and feel things as much as this did. It's, it's very good at that. It's like a... It's like one of them good episodes of Futurama where it's like, yeah, haha, it's funny, that dog is dead. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Right. And it's like, oh. Oh, no. <laughs> it, it's really good at that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, lures you in with the skeleton and the spaghetti. Right. And then hits you with some existential shit. Right. Thank you, Undertale. Yeah. And uh, I think the, the desired effect from, like, the end of that game, at least the pacifist run or even the neutral run, is, uh, I think, a little bit less on consoles. Yeah. Because going into playing Undertale Blind, there's uh, there's that part where the, the game kind of gets fucked with. Yes. And then, like, when you're playing on PC, like, like, a bunch of weird shit happens and glitches out on the screen, and then it just closes, and you're like... What? Yeah, that's that shit's nuts. And like, I went in completely blind, and I was like, "What the fuck? What just happened? Did my game fucking glitch out?" And I just like went to go reopen it, and then no, that was intentional. Here's Flowey being a dickhead, and I'm like, "Ah!" <laughs> but it does that on console too. It's just not as effective because it doesn't just like literally close the window. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it doesn't like it doesn't do as good of a job because it doesn't just like because you don't. It, I think it still works. Really. That kind of shit doesn't happen. Like, I wish, like, the, the, the crash screen popped up on the PS4. <laughs> That'd be nuts. <laughs> for, for people playing Undertale for the first time, and then they had that thing when you reopened it, but that's harder to do on PlayStation. Yeah. So they didn't do it. It's, it's easy to just, like, have, an ex- to have like, a, a file, or, like, have a program with the API on the, on the, on the, like, the PC files, to just have it close at that segment. Just have the game close. You just do that. So it makes it much, much easier to deal with. Which I think adds to the effect of it. I think Undertale is... I mean, I'm glad it's on all the other consoles, but I think it's best played on PC because of stuff like that. 
Um, number four is uh, Mass Effect 2. Which is the, the best of... Probably the best Bioware game of this decade, for sure. And I would say it is. Okay. Um, great sci-fi story. A uh, game that gave you a lot of really difficult, important choices to make for yourself in your little game world. Uh, there's a lot of great characters in it. And uh, the, the combat is... Mwah, super good. And the, and the RPG elements that, that uh, come along with it are a little toned down from the first Mass Effect to great benefit. Okay. Unless you deal with ammo instead of guns are just overheating all the time, which is a more effective system. Anyway, it's just, like, an incredible game. A great RPG. And I think it's worth playing for most people who just like sci-fi. It's a big blind spot for me, but mm-hmm. I'll definitely play Mass Effect one day. Mm-hmm. Just play Mass Effect 2. You can do the thing where it gives you a little motion comic of the first one, and you just make the choices. Mm, okay. Because the first one's kind of a slog. It's like The Witcher. Yeah. Yep. These games coming out in like a pivotal generation of that kind, those kind of RPG games. Makes sense. Yeah, so they, they were able to... They kind of age worse. It's, it's nice it that goes. they uh, got better. Oh, yeah, they got way better. I mean, like, well, Mass Effect 3 is... Well, I, I didn't mean like that, but yeah. Mass Effect 3 plays better than 2. Yes. But then the story is kind of lacking. Mm. Uh, number three is Fortnite. It's Fortnite, guys. Do the dab. Do the do the dance. Do the, do the dab and the dance. <laughs> number two is Minecraft. <laughs> we just stopped that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. I understand why you put Fortnite, and I understand why you probably don't want to even acknowledge I don't like its existence. Fortnite. You don't like Fortnite, nope. but it is a very important game in history. It might be the most. Uh, it's probably it's the second most important game this decade. It's a phenomenon. Besides uh, Minecraft, yeah, which is the most important game from this decade, developed by um, pop singing superstar Hatsune Miku. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Minecraft is... No, that's who made it. It's fine. Is Legos. Yep. yep. Go do it. This Legos. It's very particular blocky art style. It's really appealing to children, which uh, helped so, that so game... Is, but so is Fortnite, right. Justin. That helped that game sell copies and copies and copies. The concept of Minecraft is very simple. Survive. Build a house. Once you once you build a house and you get a little comfortable, start mining, start digging down, find stuff to make better stuff, keep it going, start building fortresses, and watch that progress. It's, it's really cool. It's really open. You can do whatever you want, and that's cool, and that's nice. Mm-hmm. Different kind of game. It's cool that a game like that can exist at all. Yeah, super chill. Great idea. Great vibe for a video game. Yeah. It's, it's a great game to do, to do much in the vein of something like Stardew Valley. Or if you just kind of want to just like chill out and like turn your brain off, just like put on Minecraft and just go fuck around. So that was number two. Right. Number one is Dark Souls. Ah, uh, okay. You lied about FromSoft or did it on accident. No, I, I was like, oh, that's the highest FromSoft game. I lied about it. Okay. I said it's the highest PS4 exclusive. Oh, uh, okay. Well, anyway, so why is Dark Souls number one? Dark Souls is number one because it changed action video games forever. Not not right when it released, though. 
later on, which is very interesting. We're starting to feel the effects of Dark Souls now. I guess so. Well, basically every single third-person action game with is combat is a little Dark Souls now. It's a little bit Dark Souls. It is that important. Everything's a little Dark Souls now. That game changes the way people thought about action games. Yeah. What if we... Like, while we were in an era where action games were getting faster... Ah! Drop my vape. <laughs> as as happens once an episode, it's a tradition. It does. It's a tradition. Yeah. Get a jump tradition. Josby drops his vape. As action, we were in an era where action games were, like, speeding up. Yeah. Everything was getting faster. Everything was getting crazier. And then Dark Souls came in and just, like, flopped its big, slow dick on the table. And it was like, hey, guys. Everybody loves a big, slow dick. You yep. know what I'm saying? Yeah. What if we just slowed this shit down to a crawl and then beat the fuck out of you? And people took to it because it's an interesting concept for a video game. Yeah, you can't get past it. Every single hard game ever is, goes, is, is compared to it. Yep. Which is quite an accomplishment. It means it set out to do something and it succeeded. Yeah, it absolutely yeah. succeeded. And, uh, I mean, even, like, the Game of the Year edition of it was called the Prepare to Die edition. Well, of course it was. That's like, the meme. Yep, that's the meme. It's like, all you do is die in that game. Right. Which I think you spent a lot less time dying than you do, but I think you remember the times you died more than the times you succeeded in that video game. That's possible. Um, something that I think is really interesting, but also kind of a failure of the first game. I think something later on, like Bloodborne, where or even Sekiro, which has some fucking moments in that game. Yeah. Yeah, it does. But all of that comes from... Fuck that shit. Dude. Dark Souls. Um, not even Demon Souls either, which it's uh, kind of an abomination. Damn. And Take like, that, Demon Souls. And like, it has all the things that are wrong with that kind of game in it. Oh, well, don't worry about it. They'll remake it, and it's going to be sick. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait till Blue Point puts that shit out, because you know they're working on it. Do you? Oh, yeah. Is that heavily rumored? Oh, it's, it's, it's not only heavily rumored, Blue Point was like, eh. <laughs> oh. So. Okay. All right. This is probably happening. It's probably a PS5 launch title. Because that's tech. Sony technically owns the rights to Demon Souls. Interesting. Okay. And it's like Sony and Atlas. Hmm. It's very interesting. Yeah, as a PlayStation exclusive. <coughs> okay. So they probably hired Bluepoint to do that shit. But yeah, Dark Souls is, is, in my opinion, the best game decade and also the most important. That's kind of how go. that list is structured. That's why Fortnite's that high. Mm-hmm. Like, it is. I wouldn't even put it on there if it was my list. Right. It was just a list of games I liked this decade. Wouldn't even be on there because I didn't like it. It's not a list of games you liked. It's a list of mm-hmm. important games, I guess. It's a mixture of a lot of things. Yeah, sure. 100 games this decade that were 100 games. It's a fun list. Good stuff. It's a good list. Where's Pagel, where's Pagel 2 at, man? Up your ass. Oh, no. That's a lot of Pagels in my ass. <laughs> uh. All right. All right. Speaking of things in my ass. Yeah. Let's talk about <laughs> Batman Forever. Why is it in your? Why is Batman Forever in your ass? Because that's where it fucking belongs, yo. <laughs> uh, all right. Hit me up with some facts. God all right, so... My I, voice uh, take a break. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so Batman Fuck Ever is a uh, 1995 <laughs> film coming three years after Tim Burton's Batman Returns. Uh, the film has a decidedly different tone <laughs> than the, the previous Burton Batman films. Uh, and that's because of one simple reason. Burton didn't direct. So, the initial sequel was to still be a film directed and overseen by Tim Burton. It was tentatively titled Batman Continues, which is a boring title. That's terrible. It's worse than Batman Forever, even. Uh, but it was just a tentative title. The script was supposedly going to include Two-Face and the Riddler from the outset. However, Burton wanted Billy D. Williams to reprise his role as Harvey Dent. And for Robin Williams... To play the Riddler. That would be dope. Michael Keaton would reprise his role, and also so would apparently Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. Uh, the film would also introduce Robin, uh, who was cast in the previous film to appear, and then they cut him out. They cast Marlon Wayans. So he would finally appear in this. Burton also approached Brad Dorif, Chucky himself, uh, to play Scarecrow. And he approached Rene Russo to play new love interest Chase Meridian. So obviously this feels like there's too many fucking characters. Yeah. But the movie was still in early planning stages. They were just trying to get a feel for what they even wanted to do, right. I assume. But Burton's plans would be cut short, and none of these cast members would return. Uh, Robin Williams was significantly disappointed, uh, later saying, quote, the Batman films have screwed me twice before. Years ago, they offered me The Joker, and they gave it to Jack Nicholson. Then they offered me The Riddler, and gave it to Jim Carrey. I'd be like, okay, is this a real offer? If it is, then the answer is yes. Don't pump me again, motherfuckers. Yeah! <laughs> I'd be pissed, too, if I was him, dude. Bless Robin Williams. He would have been the best friend. Yeah, he would have been an interesting choice. Um, I, You know what? Well, we'll talk about Jim Carrey in a bit. Mm. So anyway, Batman Returns, while it did turn a huge profit for Warner Brothers, it made $150 million less than Batman 1989. <laughs> so this, combined with the reaction from McDonald's, Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. We're angry. That didn't work, but fuck it. They're angry because they're all like, man, this, this Batman Returns movie, it's got Danny DeVito drooling some fucking Listerine from the abyss. <laughs> uh, like, what's going on with this shit? He bites a dude's nose off. Kids are running from the theater screaming. What are you... What are you we can't sell toys out of this shit. So they're angry with, you know, they got them pearl-clutching parents bitching at them, so they complain. And this eventually all just combines and results in Tim Burton being replaced as director. And Tim Burton's kind of all for this, because uh, he's much more interested in pursuing his next film, Ed Wood, anyway. A choice that I think is one of the best choices he ever made Good in his choice. career. Good choice, best movie. Ed Wood's his best film. It is fantastic. Anyway, Split's mostly amicable. Burton would remain as a producer, with an option to possibly make a Catwoman spinoff. And eventually, a Superman film. 
Hmm. Neither of these uh, happened. Would happen. At least from him. <laughs> so. Burton would later make light of the situation. Quote, I always hated those titles like Batman Forever. That sounds like a tattoo that somebody would get when they're on drugs or something. (laughs) (laughs) Or something some kid would write in their yearbook. Yeah. He's right. Batman Forever is a bad title. (laughs) Anyway, Warner Brothers selected Joel Schumacher. As their new director. Now, Schumacher had previously directed St. Elmo's Fire, The Lost Boys, Flatliners, and The Client. Uh, What's... You seen any of these? I've seen Flatliners uh, uh, and The Lost Boys. Uh, Both are films that I like. Mm -hmm. Same. Uh, I don't don't know how much I can blame Joel Schumacher specifically. There's for a how lot. these two movies end up. There's a lot that went into these movies that affected them for the worse. I think, so they gave Tim Burton a lot of creative oversight with returns, and then it kind of bit them in the ass. Yeah. Or at least that's how they're going to view it. So I think they were really probably pushing their own agenda with Forever and, oh, yeah, and I'm Robin. Sure. I'm sure. At least that's my opinion. Because I, 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 I kind of... It's hard for me to reconcile how Joel Schumacher could make these terrible movies when he has made good ones. I mean, he's not like the best director of all time or anything, but no, but he's good. He's he's decent at least. Right. So anyway, brought on to write the script when Burton was still involved were couple Lee and Janet Scott Bachelor, uh, whose only other film writing credit seems to be the 2014 film Pompeii, but. Uh, Whatever. Huh. I don't pfft, hire those people to write it, I guess. Anyway, but when Schumacher joined the film, he brought in Akiva Goldsman to rewrite the script, who Schumacher had worked with on The Client. And this will be a continuing thing, by the way. The pair would team up the following year to make A Time to Kill, which uh, oh boy. is pretty dated. By <laughs> yep. I, I still will assert that Samuel L. Jackson doing some god tier acting in that movie oh, but yeah. uh but that movie is very like uh you know white savior fucking ass movie uh-huh. fucking anyway and then a year after that they would team up again to make uh, uh batman and robin oh great yeah you have to watch that soon oh next week buddy episode 69 on the page i'm on a wikipedia page looking up some stuff about this just uh-huh. to read for fun uh-huh. and i uh, keep accidentally clicking on the uh the hyperlink for suicide but anyway continue oops what's that doing there <laughs> so joel schumacher who says he is a comic book fan initially wanted to change the film into an adaptation of Frank Miller's Batman Year One, an idea that intrigued Michael Keaton and convinced him to stay on, even though Tim Burton, his buddy, had left. However, Warner Brothers didn't like this idea and wanted a sequel. So eventually, Keaton left the production, later explaining... Quote, the film just wasn't any good, man. I tried to be patient, but after a certain point, I was like, I can't take this anymore. This is going to be horrible. It sucked. The script never was good. I couldn't understand why he wanted to do what he wanted to do. I hung on for many meetings. I knew I was in trouble when 
Joel Schumacher said, Why does everything have to be so dark? So, Keaton's out. The search is on for a new Batman. Ethan Hawke, oh, Daniel Day-Lewis, uh. Ralph Fiennes, and William Baldwin, oh, and Johnny Depp, were all considered... <laughs> But eventually, I'm so glad it wasn't Johnny Depp. Oh my god, that would have been hilarious. It would have been the worst. But eventually, Schumacher selected Val Kilmer based off his performance in Tombstone. Kilmer, in a decision he may have come to regret, <laughs> joins the film without looking at the script or knowing who the director is at all. Oh no. He's just like, Batman, okay, we're in. <laughs> so. Keaton's recasting wasn't intentional, but boy, every other recasting was. Let's go over the following. Rene Russo was dropped for Nicole Kidman. Robin Williams was dropped for Jim Carrey, then super famous in the 90s after appearing in Dumb and Dumber, Ace Ventura, and The Mask. Right. Uh, He was, you know, on fire at that point in his career. Billy D. Williams was dropped for Tommy Lee Jones. Now, Schumacher wanted Jones after working with him on The Client. Jones only accepted the job because his son convinced him to. <laughs> Marlon Wayans was dropped for Chris O'Donnell. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was considered for the role of Robin, by the way, but uh, turned it down. Uh, Uh, DiCaprio has a weird, long history of uh, (laughs) turning down big roles for films. He turned down Robin. He turned down Anakin Skywalker. And he turned down Spider-Man. I think all of these were good decisions for Leonardo DiCaprio. Because he gets to, like, retain this, like, prestige and doesn't, like go into the muck of genre films too often. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think it's good for his career, at least. Like, you know, like, usually he's doing something a little more than a superhero movie, which is nice. Not that he never will be in one. Right. They'll get him eventually. Maybe just as a one-off villain, though. I don't know. I don't see him being, like, a long-standing, I'm-in-five-movies superhero kind of guy. So, anyway... I want to talk about this because I want, I want to know what your take on this is. Okay. So, if this happened in the modern day, I think everyone would have been fucking furious. Yeah. You have Billy D. Williams. Uh-huh. Cast. You have Marlon Wayans. Cast. Both of them are jettisoned from the film and they replace them with white dudes. Would this go over well today? No. I don't think so. Now, granted, neither of these characters are black in the comics, but that was kind of like what was cool about the idea of it. Yeah. Not that I think Marlon Wayans would have been any good, but still, the idea of you're making these famous comic book characters of Two-Face and Robin black just, hey, just because, uh, is kind of cool. I like the idea. Billy D. Williams would have been great. Would have been fantastic. Uh but like, as soon as, as soon as Schumacher comes in, boom, they're out. Bring in the white guys that I'm that I want to work with. Right. And I I just I know the '90s were a different era. But like, man, I could definitely see people bitching about that now. I don't know what to think of it. I'm not saying Schumacher's racist. Like, far from it. I'm just saying that like, it's a little weird to me that like, like, what role do 
do black people have in this film after that point? None. Like, not really any. Yeah. Like, literally none. Seal, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and Method Man got to do a song called The Riddler. <laughs> God. More on that later. So, whatever. Be that as it may. Uh, the only other characters we got and cast members... Obviously, we got Pat Hengel coming back as the worst Commissioner Gordon. And uh, Alfred is still the same old Alfred. Two-Face's girlfriends. We got Sugar and Spice, played by Drew Barrymore and Debbie Mazar. Um, so this is, this is a very 60s Batman thing. He has two girlfriends. Um, it's weird to me that they went so 60s Batman with like Two-Face, who doesn't really have a uh, counterpart in 60s Batman for them to draw experience or like draw reference from. Yeah. Because they never put Two-Face in 60s Batman. Yeah. Because he was scary looking. They didn't want to do that. It was like for kids, right? So they didn't do it. Um, but so they approach him like they would in 60s Batman here. Yeah. And make him really campy, really cheesy. And he has these like female cohorts which was a big mainstay part of the 60s batman uh i don't know kind of weird though and that's kind of the weird thing about this whole movie is that it's trying really hard to be 60s batman right but it doesn't go far enough yeah in my opinion you're right I, i don't know it still tries really hard to be like this dark sort of serious movie while at the same time, in this like at intervals, just injecting a whole lot of bullshit. Yeah, this movie's like having an identity crisis the whole right. time. And the thing that makes '60s Batman so enchantingly amazing is that it's that's the whole ride. It's just ridiculous the whole fucking. Yeah, time. there's not a damn like the only time there's not a second of that movie. The only times in that '60s movie that are serious are completely hysterical. Yeah, like Batman finding out that. Catwoman was the girl he was in love with, and they play that fucking serious music. Yeah, it's so they good. They just completely kill any moment they could have possibly had. Yeah. Whether that's intentional or not, who knows? I'm just, I think it might have been. I think it was. Because 60s Batman was like a meme on purpose. Yeah. But anyway, this, I, I definitely think parts of it were meant to be ridiculous and silly. Of course they were. Yeah. They cast Jim Carrey for fuck's sake. Right. And I think Jim Carrey does a really good job, actually. I think he's obnoxious, but like, I get it. I get why he's obnoxious. I think... Here's where I come down on this role. I think that the segments where Jim Carrey is actually being the Riddler and not uh, just literally Jim Carrey yeah. are great. The problem is... they let him do like some ad-lib or whatever ha- right. you know, that you have. Especially yeah. at the beginning. Yeah, when he's just the scientist right. Edward Nigma. And like when, yeah. he, when he's like... When you have like that origin story happening... He does some shit that's just, like, straight out of, like, his other movies. Yeah. And I'm like, why? <laughs> and eventually Jim Carrey grows as an actor and is able to do not normal Jim Carrey things. He also might have been told to do that. Uh, Who knows? He definitely was told to do that. They they were telling him to be Jim Carrey more than they were telling him to be the Riddler. Because he was, he, was, he was the it dude. You know what I mean? He was super famous. They would yeah. just have him be like the mask, basically, in a lot of parts of this movie. He's doing very cartoony things later on. But anyway. So, Schumacher sought to differentiate his vision from Burton's. So he teamed up with production designer Barbara Ling to craft a 
different look for Gotham, and this is one of the things I don't like that this movie does yep. in a long list of things. Uh, the look was to combine 40s and 50s Batman comic aesthetics with 30s New York City architecture, but also modern-day Tokyo. So basically it's got a lot of statues and a lot of neon just everywhere. And, you know, like sometimes it looks cool and then sometimes it just looks like puke. Yeah. And I, I, it's really not my favorite. Like, I really prefer the Burton look. Oh, absolutely. Uh, That's the best part of the Burton film. Yeah. Like, as far as, like, set the, way, design. the way Burton's input goes. Yeah. You know he had a lot of input on that set design. And, like, because yes. that's, like, his style. Definitely. I think it fits Batman more than the weird neon yeah. uh, stupid signs and shit in the oh, background. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Schumacher had problems working with uh, Val Kilmer and Tommy Lee Jones, by the way. Oh, yeah? Uh, he describes Kilmer as, quote, childish and impossible. And he said that uh, Val Kilmer fought with various crewmen. Uh, Kilmer eventually refused to speak to Schumacher after he was confronted by Schumacher about his behavior on set. Jesus. Man, maybe there's a reason we don't see Val Kilmer in, like, anything. Beyond being, like, irrelevant now. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, as for Tommy Lee Jones, Schumacher said, Jim Carrey was a gentleman, and Tommy Lee was threatened by him. I'm tired of defending overpaid, overprivileged actors. I pray I don't work with them again. Uh, this has been confirmed by Jim Carrey himself as well, and this is probably the single greatest tidbit about this movie that I can present to you today. Okay. Jim Carrey describes an incident that occurred when he went to a restaurant the day before filming his big scene with Tommy Lee Jones. This is the quote from Jim Carrey. I believe he was on the Howard Stern show. This is this decade, last decade. It's fairly recent. Yeah. It took a lot of time for things about this movie to come out as it normally does. Right. Jim Carrey quote, the maitre d' says, oh, I hear you're working with Tommy Lee Jones. He's over in the corner having dinner. I went over and I said, hey, Tommy, how are you doing? And the blood just drained from his face. And he got up shaking. He must have been in mid-kill-me fantasy or something like that. And he went to hug me and he said, I hate you. I really don't like you. <laughs> and I said, what's the problem? And pulled up a chair, which probably wasn't smart. And he said... I cannot sanction your buffoonery. <laughs> that is such a weirdly specific thing to say to no, another human being. By the way, yeah, seeing Jim Carrey like outside of his movie roles, he is actually a very, very nice guy. I love Jim Carrey, actually. Yeah. He's great. Um, I love him on Twitter, where he just paints these disgusting but politically relevant things. They're so good. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just, like, you know, it sucks, because... A lot of people talk all the time about how, like, Jim Carrey is a joy to work with. Yeah. And, I guess uh, unless you're Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Because so. he's probably... Because Tommy Lee Jones is like a sour little baby boy. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. But like, you can get a good performance out of that, though. Like, Tommy Lee Jones has been fucking amazing and, so, oh, and like, yeah. like, No Country for Old Men like, so many other things. But, yeah, it's unfortunate that he's fucking... He joins this movie where I 100% think Tommy Lee Jones is more off the rails than Jim Carrey in this movie. Yeah. He's fucking nuts in this movie. He's acting like a complete fucking asshole. His Two-Face is such a 60s Batman villain. 
Uh, like Jim Carrey is goofy, but like you totally expect it out of Jim Carrey. Tommy Lee Jones is fucking nutty in this movie and has does a lot of things that I probably wouldn't prefer him to do. Yeah, uh, lots of grunts and weird noises and crazy, insane line delivery. Uh, it's very like Willem Dafoe is the Green Goblin energy, but not as good, not no. as masterful because it you can tell he's not having fun. Yeah, and that's kind of sucks. He, he, I'm not saying he puts in a bad performance, I guess. Like, I think single, like, Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones are the best part about this movie, I would say. Oh, yeah, and their massive gay energy. Isn't that weird? Like, I just said that they probably, like, fucking hated each other, but, yeah. like, somehow. That's acting, baby. I, you fucking, like, they're, I guess they're acting well, because I 100% believe that it would have been believable for them to kiss at any point in that movie. Yeah. Like, right. they sell that their relationship, but that they're, like, having so much fun being stupid-ass villains with each other and trying to kill Batman together. It's like they bonded over it. They're falling in love doing this in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that's not what they intended. There's a chance that Schumacher did it. On quote unquote accident, <laughs> yeah, sure. but like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm looking too much into it, but like, man, they get really close to each other and they really seem to like enjoy each other's presence as characters, if not as actors. Right. Who knows, man? I'm not against it. I, you know, I, I'll tell you right now. I ship the Riddler and Two Face in Batman Forever. Uh, what's the ship name? What do we name the ship? Riddle Face. Riddle, I like Riddle Face a lot. Toodler. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's go with Riddle Face. That other one sounds terrible. Uh, So anyway, we stand Riddle Face, baby. Got to stand Riddle Face. I want the fan art of this. There ain't fan art of this. Look, all you people drawing Kylo Ren making out with you know Jabba the Hutt or whatever you want. (laughs) Refocus your efforts and draw me some riddle face. You can do it, I believe. Please. I'm sure Tommy Lee Jones will love it. I'm sure he will. (laughs) I cannot sanction your buffoon a wee a woo. Anyway. I feel your buffoon a wee in my balls. Oh, no. I'm baby. So let's talk about the music in Batman Forever. <laughs> Elliot Goldenthal was brought in to replace Danny Elfman because they were just replacing everybody. Yeah, everybody. Like they were going out of business on score duty. This my movie now. Although his iconic theme was still used a bunch. Like you could tell that they just brought oh, in yeah. somebody who would like, you know, just give them what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, funnily enough, this guy did basically the same thing for Alien 3, by the way. Yeah, you're doing the score for Alien 3. Just do the score from the other ones, though, please. Yeah. The more memorable music from this film is its very successful soundtrack album. It's a good uh, good soundtrack. Which includes the hit, Seal's Kiss from a Rose, uh, which has a music video that I highly recommend you watch because it is the funniest shit. It's so dope. Uh, So it's, it's, you know, you wouldn't... you wouldn't expect it to be completely attached to Batman Forever because, like, it's from a rose. Has is a super famous song without being associated with Batman Forever, and honestly, it probably shouldn't be associated with Batman Forever because it has nothing to do 
<laughs> with Batman Forever. It's just like I, Seal could have wrote this for any movie in history. Oh yeah, this could have played at the end of Braveheart, and it uh, it would have made just as much sense, in my opinion. <laughs> like it doesn't it. It's just a love song. Like it, it could be at the end of anything, I guess. But like, it doesn't have specifically anything to do with Batman. But anyway, the music video does because Seal. And this music video was directed by Joel Schumacher as well. Is in front of the bat signal. With his shirt open, being seal, and going, baby! But then, like, you know, it cuts to footage from Batman Forever. And it gives the weird impression that he is serenading, like, Batman. Because he's the one that appears in the other footage so much. Like, Seal is delivering this really heartfelt message of a song to somebody. But they keep cutting to, like, Batman and Jim Carrey <laughs> and these other characters like reacting, but they're not, it's just clips from the movie, but it gives me the sense that like, you know, if we're going to ship riddle face, we should probably also ship bat seal. <laughs> cause, cause I, you know, he's serenading Batman. There's a, the funniest clip of the whole damn thing. Is uh, there's a, a part in the song where it cuts out for like just a second, and then the music comes back in, and they sho- they shove in this shot of Batman looking straight at the camera as if he is reacting to Seal calling out his name. <laughs> One thing that it's I funny hate as shit, just as much as I as I appreciate about eighty nine and in the nineties mm-hmm. Batman movies. Is like how stupid the actor's lip area looks while they're wearing the. Cow. I didn't think it was possible for someone to look worse than the Michael Keaton lips, but Val Kilmer does a, does a good job of looking pretty stupid. In I, this movie. I think anybody would look stupid. I don't. I don't think it's oddly enough. I think like we'll talk about this next week, but I think Clooney looks pretty good in it. But then the suit has like the nipples, and it ruins the whole thing. Yeah. But like his jawline and his face look like what I would want Batman to look like is the interesting thing. Yeah. But Kilmer just looks goofy. Well, even then, it's just the way that it's just the way the cow's designed. Yeah. It's not. It's not like designed like to fit faces well. No. I imagine the suit was uncomfortable once again. It it, it was, although that when Keaton was uh, in talks to still be in it, they were designing a different costume, and it was going to look like the classic uh, gray Batman outfit. Ooh. It was going to look different, by the way, which is still a costume that I kind of hope that they do at some point. I like the gray outfit a lot. Yeah, me too. That classic, like just the capes and the cowl is black, but then the rest is like gray. Yeah. I love that look. I hope they use it for the new one, but I, who knows what they'll do. All black is, is a neat idea, but like, man, it does make it hard to see sometimes. Right. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, there's lots of other dumb songs in this movie. Uh, U2's great, great, great. I don't like U2. I'm just kidding. Hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me, which is a, a bad, it's a, it's a bad name for a song. Yeah. It's a bad name for anything. It's too much. Anyway, I like most of that soundtrack album, actually. You got, you got the offspring, and it's unfortunate that it's the offspring, covering a, a song from The Damned that I love, Smash It Up. Yeah. You got Method Man giving it his all in a track about the Riddler. 
uh-huh. for some reason. Uh, you got Nick Cave on there. Yeah, it's you got great. the Flaming Lips on there. You know, it's a very diverse, interesting '90s ass soundtrack. I had the CD, and I think Batman and Robin isn't as is good of one, but we'll oh. talk about it next week. But it's got a song I love on there by the Smashing Pumpkins. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's Kiss by Kiss, Kiss from a Rose from Billy Corgan. Oh. Baby. Oh no! Kiss from a rose. Hey, you sing that for a little bit. I gotta. I'm gonna go put something warm on. I'm cold. I don't want to uh, kill my voice, so sing I'm not the whole going song, to. Buddy, I'll be right back. Jesus Christ! I'm gonna. I gotta, I'm gonna look up the lyrics. <laughs> I, I won't be God that long. You don't have to memorize. You're good. Oh, don't don't worry about it, man. <laughs> you just get that ready to end the. Baby. Compare you to a kiss from the rose on the gray. Ooh, the more I get of you, the stranger it feels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. How does he? How does Billy Corgan do that voice all the time? Practice. I'm good at his voice as is. Like the one impression I can do, right? But that hurt really bad to do. Practice, man. Mm. So it is a lot of practice. Oh man. So anyway, I think that is about it for factoids. So okay. let's get into this movie before I die of throat cancer okay, by yeah. singing like Billy Corgan. Oh boy, I'm, I appreciate that little inter- intermission while I put on a hoodie, though. Thanks, buddy. Baby! <laughs> so we get. Here, here we go. Batman Forever's title crawl happens. Names flying at your face. Baby! Will you Batman Forever? <laughs> and he said, No! <laughs> I meant to say Batman five ever. That should be the next one. Mm. Mm. It's not even fourth Batman. No. <laughs> they just skipped one. Fuck it. <laughs> well, Mask of the Phantasm counts. I said so. Let's okay. Just, like, yeah. I get it. Man, that was a good movie, right? That was a great movie. God, that was a great movie. Oh, God. Oh. So anyway, title crawl happens. It's really funny because all the names are just flying at your goddamn face. Next week's going to be even funnier. Oh, yeah, it is. I, God, I'm going to laugh I remember so, the title crawl for I'm going to laugh so hard at Batman and Robin. I'm very prepared. Oh, yeah, it's going to be hilarious. Oh, my God. And that, that's the thing that I might have over this movie, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see I mean, when we get to it. Yeah, it's it's written immaculately. Oh, We'll, we'll see oh. when we get there. Dinosaurs. 
So anyways, here we go. Right off the bat, Two-Face is causing some bullshit. So They cut out a scene of him escaping from Arkham, by the way. Oh. Uh, of course. But, you know, you don't need establishing actions. You just need to cut the stuff happening. Right. It starts with Batman putting on the suit, by the way, because both this movie and, and Robin begin and end the same way. You yep. have the obnoxious credits. Right. Batman suiting up, close-ups of his ass and nipples. Uh, gets in the Batmobile and goes. And then in, and Robin, it's with Robin as well, suiting up. And then the end of the film is them running straight towards the camera in that lit kind of it thing. Yeah. Happens in Anne Robin too. Oh, I remember. Weird. How artsy. It's like Citizen Kane. It has bookends. Wow. Great. We'll be remembered Fuck. forever. Fuck. Get it? No. <laughs> it's Batman forever. So Two Face is causing some shit. And he's he's fucking. He's got a, his toss his situation. He's, he's got being a, guy. a shit lord and a half. He's he's trying to steal an entire bank vault. Yeah, just you know, most people open the bank vault, take the money, and then leave the bank. He's getting ready to hook the bitch Two-Face, up. Two Face just take whole vault out of bank. Just, now, okay, it's this, very cartoony. It's very ridiculous. Yep, this is designed to be a trap for Batman, which is apparently the only thing that Two Face is interested in is trapping Batman. He wants to kill Batman, but just instead of up. like actually just like I don't know, trapping him and then shooting him in the face. Yeah, he's a he's a '60s Batman villain. Oh no, yeah, he wants to. So he went through all the fucking melt effort. him in the acid that burned half his face off specifically. Right, he says this. By the way, shout-outs to the extra, or, or not extra, but the guy they cast to be the hostage. Oh, so funny. Is so fucking bad. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> it's, like, so generic and mm-hmm. stupid. It's hilarious. So, yeah, Batman, of course, shows up. Um, in this moment, he, we kind of get a really close, really quick, like, meeting with uh, Chase Meridian. And Batman. Wow, what a well-written female character. Like, really Empowering cool. to all women everywhere. She's just horny for Batman. It's fine. You know, I, honestly, I can't really fault her that much. It's fine. You can be horny for Batman if you want. But why you gotta choose the Val Kilmer one? Yeah, right. Choose any other Batman. Um, Even Lego Batman. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. It's just, it's so weird how she's written. Because she's just outright horny for Batman. Yeah. To the point where she, like, just basically shows him her tits. Basically. Yeah. Like, they present it like it's that's what's happening, kind of. Mm-hmm. She's, like, just wearing a coat, and she, like, takes her coat off on that scene. And it's just like, don't you like my titties, Batman? Is basically what's happening. Yeah. I don't know. Nicole Kidman very attractive, but, like, that character <laughs> left a lot to be desired from me. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, not, a, not a well-written character at all. No. But then Batman goes after Two-Face, gets trapped in a bank vault where Citizen, that, that good old guy who's terrible, is set up as bait. Batman gets into the bank vault, and they close it on him. It's full of acid, and they go to pull it out with the helicopter, and the acid starts filling the bank vault. Batman breaks free. Then you get a little segment... Where he uh, he gets the one guy out of there and he's just hanging onto the helicopter by a chain. Mm-hmm. He gets up there, and uh, Two Face just shoots the the other guy piloting the helicopter like a madman <laughs> while while cackling like an idiot. 
<sighs> throws the guy off, mm-hmm. drives the helicopter into the Statue of Liberty? Yeah, Gotham has one of those. It's just not called the Statue of Liberty. It's the Statue of something else. Why? It's in the video game, too. It's in uh, Arkham Knight. I always, I know, I always cause, thought because it's New York, it's whatever. Is it? Yes. I got it's like it's like New York if it was like only crime. Yeah. And then like Metropolis is New York if it was no crime. That's how I associate mm. the DC cities. And then you have all the other ones that nobody knows about. Where Flash live? I don't know. Where Green Arrow live? I don't know. Maybe just because the animated series, but I always thought of it like. Chicago-ish. Yeah. I, I could see that, but it has way too big of buildings. Like, right. too many, I, I should say. Like, Chicago has some buildings, but, like... Right. I just thought it was, like, an amalgamation of, like, multiple things, and, like, little, it's also gothic, so, like, there's nothing in the U.S. Older New York City, for sure. Even then, New York City yeah. was never really that gothic. That's more, like, European. Oh, it, yeah. It just pulls no, from all kinds of shit. Yeah, it's it's amalgamation. You get away with it because it's a fake place. Right. But it, I always get jarred when I see the Statue of Liberty in Batman. Yeah, it's like too familiar of a thing. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It's different when it's like, like, like for example, in Spider Man, which is literally New York City. Yeah, well, it's that works because it's right. You know, it's actually New York. Yeah, I don't like it. In, like it's the cool thing about city. Marvel, it helps it feel more realistic in in a way. Yeah, and then they go to like Latveria, a totally real country, and it kind of like ruins a bit of it. Right. I like when it's actually real locations. I feel like Stanley thought Latveria was a real country when he wrote it down. He I'm sure. Fucked up. I'm sure he did. Because he wanted everything to take place in a real place, and he was just like, "Yeah, that country, Latveria." He just fucked up. I think that's what happened. He's just like, I have "Stan, a it's not a I real have a country." Theory. He's like, no, "Yeah, it is. Fuck you." Are I'm you the writer? Fuck you. Right. <laughs> Writes Latveria. So. After after Two Face crashes copter and escapes, uh, mm-hmm. Batman basically does the same exact thing. He escapey too. Uh oh, we got villain. Then we cut to a scene where Mister Edward Nigma, which by the way, I hate that name for a character. I understand. It's his name. What are you gonna do? I understand. That like yeah get at just to pay homage you just kind of have to do Enigma. it. Enigma, I hate it. Get it? I can't rename him now. It's his name. You know, it's too late. It's just it's just still. It doesn't mean that I can't you know, not enjoy it. I don't like it. Anyway, <laughs> good old Edward Enigma in this movie's researcher Wayne Enterprises, and he's he's got he's rock hard for Bruce Wayne baby. <laughs> What is this trope? Specifically in comic book movies, by the way. Because, like, man, like, I don't know what it is. Like, you'd think they would have, like, learned that it didn't work that well in this movie. But then they just do it again every now and then. Like, like Green Lantern had a similar villain. Yeah. And then, like, Electro in Amazing Spider-Man 2 yeah. was the same fucking thing. It's just so weird to me. I don't get it. I don't know. I don't like his origin story in this movie. Nah, it's very... Dumb. Yeah. There's not really, like, a thing. I prefer there to be a thing where he becomes a character afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, like compare it to, like... Uh, there's various things I don't like about Catwoman and Batman Returns. 
But she starts that movie out as one character and kind of becomes a different one as it goes. I prefer that. I feel like Edward Nigma is the same throughout the movie. He's really goofy and psychotic the whole time. Yeah. There's not really a change that happens to make him become the Riddler. Other than, like, I guess he's Other than, really smart. I guess Bruce Wayne kind of, like, being like, no, we're not going to make your fucking brain control device. Like, that was going to happen no matter what. Someone was going to tell him you can't do your brain control device. Right, yeah. And then he, he all of a sudden is a murderer now. Right. Which, like, I feel like he was just always going to be that then. There's right. no big, like, change. Yeah. Even the Joker changed, even though he was, like, a criminal even from the get-go. But whatever. I don't know. By the way, we skipped past when Batman said he's going to go get drive through That's important. Oh, yeah. It's important to the plot that he says that, because it's, like, the first thing you hear in this movie, right? I forgot. How could you forget? He says he's going to go get drive through I wanted to forget. (laughs) (laughs) Never forget. We, um, half of us in the room that were watching the movie busted out in the laughter when that happened. Mm-hmm. I think I was included in that. Mm-hmm. And the other half was just dumbfounded. It's such a bad line. And it doesn't get better. No. Yeah. The whole movie's like this, dude. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so Edward Nigma proposes to Bruce Wayne. Uh, this his device that can, uh, beam television into a person's brain. VR, dude. I guess. He's making VR. Got the fucking Oculus Rift. There's no real practical use for this, by the way. No, it's just a fucking doomsday device, basically, yeah. by the end of the film. And so then Bruce is like, no. I don't know what the practical application would have been. <laughs> like, you know, hey, we could just, like, make stupid people not stupid? Is that Was that, like, what he was suggesting? I don't know. I don't know. It's really muddled. This movie tries to do way too much. Yep. Without giving anything time to breathe. Like, by the time Robin shows up, you're like, oh, yeah, Robin is going to be in this movie. How are they going to shove in Robin's origin and him becoming Robin? And the answer is they just do it very poorly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Bruce Bruce rejects the invention. Um, doesn't like it all because he thinks it's mind manipulation. It is. Uh, so, Nengba kind of goes nutty. And kinda. Yeah. Well goes completely nutty. I guess he always was nutty. And uh tests the invention on his dickhead supervisor and then kills him afterward. <coughs> you know, really dumb looking scene where like fish are coming out of a TV towards him and it looks God, like that VR. Was weird. Uh it was unpleasant to look at too. He was like really sh- looked like shit. It was really so dumb. many effects that have aged the absolute worst in yeah. this movie. Oh, there's like, there's the, I think right after this, actually, there's an establishing shot of Gotham that looked terrible. Yeah. It looked like you were watching, like, Titan AE or something like that. Right. It was awful. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but after that, like, uh, Nigma sets, sets up killing his supervisor's super suicide, then he resigns, and then, uh, Intends to seek retaliation against Bruce. I do like he says that, like, the, the letter is, like, you know, written with his sentence structure. And it's just literally just a thing, like, you know, dear board of directors, I am kill myself now. <laughs> like, it's just, right. I'm going to commit the suicide. Yep. And it's, the like, cops... very creative, very convincing, Edward. I mean, yeah. it works. 
because Which the cops the in Gotham thing. are terrible. Oh, yeah, they're the absolute worst. They're led by fucking Commissioner Gordon. Who sucks. In who this in this sucks, which yeah. is so sad to me. He's one of the most interesting characters in all of Batman. And he's just yeah, like, can't wait for the actual good Gordon to show up. Yeah, very soon. Yeah. It's coming up. Uh, not soon enough. <laughs> right. So, uh, here we get a little bit of development where... Uh, Bruce Wayne also meets good old Chase Meridian. Well, yeah, we get the initial scene where she calls him with the bat signal. Yeah. I, I guess her, her her deal is like she's like... I, I think what they were trying to go with here was... Vicky Vale, but she wants to fuck Batman instead of just research him. I guess. I guess. Like, they spend no fucking time trying to establish that they're romantically connected. And, like, I guess the whole the thing of it is he wants her to be attracted to Bruce Wayne. She's attracted not to Batman. Not Batman, but she's attracted to Batman. I get what they're trying to do, but, man, they do it very poorly. It's just... I mean, it's like, just sounds whatever. like she's horny for Batman. She's really fucking horny for Batman. And that's it. She grabs his uh, rubber pecs, and it is... Funny as shit. It's so funny. She, like, gropes his molded rubber stomach abs. <laughs> uh, man. It was amazing. So, uh, we then get... Let me get to, uh, Bruce Wayne officially meeting her, correct? Yeah, is when he, he goes, goes up to see her. Yeah, right. Yeah, and then we get this awkward scene where, like, she's punching oh a God. punching bag. And yeah. then Bruce sounds like she's in crisis, so he just knocks the whole ass door down. And that's mm-hmm. a big door, by the way. It's a way big door. But, like, I don't know if it was ad-libbed or what. He just, like, picks up the, like, clearly, like, styrofoam door. Uh-huh. And then, like, just puts it back on. Like nothing. Boy, that guy's strong, man. Wow. Picks up that giant fucking oak door. Just puts it back on. He, he just ad-libbed doing that, and they were just like, that's funny, we're just going to leave it in. <laughs> Maybe. So, yeah, um, he, he kind of, like, awkwardly, like, you know, hits on her and stuff, and she kind of, like, is okay with it. Uh, you know, she kind of, like, totally is leading both of them on. Oh, yeah. Even though she only wants to fuck Batman. Like, I know she doesn't realize they're the same person, but, like, wow... How irresponsible that you're just like, you know, I only want to be with Batman, but yeah, sure. Let's, uh, let's go on a date. Let's go on a date. Let's go see the circus. Yeah. Let's After see. he says, I got to get you out of those clothes. Yeah. And into a black dress. That was the worst line. That is a terribly written line. I wanted she to She should have just been like, get, get, get out of my office, you pervert, man. Dude, she just got done punching the thing, punch him in the dick. Yeah. Fuck you, Val Kilmer. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Val Kilmer. I, I don't know. I just feel bad for Nicole Kidman because she probably, like, you know, she seems to be a better actress than the, the material they gave her here where she's yeah. just playing, like, the horniest lady on Earth. Right. And she's horny for Batman. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's just not interesting to me at all. No, it's just not interesting um, at all. They kind of fucked up with most of the love interests in this series. I don't know. Catwoman's probably the best one. 
but whatever. They just keep like, I don't know. You don't have any continuity with the other films as far as this goes, so it just kind of becomes like, whatever. It's like the Bond girl of the week. Yeah, and it's and it's there's no continuity really, even though there probably works. should be. Yeah. Like they even mention like like he says the lines I've never been in love before, Alfred, and I'm like you fucking liar. In the last two movies you were. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, Catwoman and then Vicky Vale, I, I what? So they like I don't know because this is supposed to be the third movie. Yeah, it's not supposed to be a reboot. If it happened now, it would probably be staged more like a reboot. Like they wouldn't just recast Batman, but it's staged like it's supposed to be after the other ones. I don't know how uh, Harvey Dent turned into Tommy Lee Jones. They don't really. Nope. Tell nope. you that one. I don't explain that one either. Just a bunch of people recast. Whatever. Because of dumb decisions. Yeah, they go to the circus, and that's where we get the Robin crap. Yep. So you, you, you know Robin's the, origin, right? The Flying right? Gray Grays. The Flying Graysons. Yep. They're great acrobats, and then Two-Face shows up. So he's going to be the one that kills them. It's like, bomb, you want it? Here you go. <laughs> and then... <laughs> It puts a fucking time bomb on a string that is just going up. They give Dick Grayson a chance to be a hero and throw the bomb out. But in doing so, his parents uh, get killed while he's not paying attention. And now he swears vengeance on Two-Face. And then, like, we get the whole thing. We get the whole shebang of the origin. He is offered to stay at Wayne Manor and be Bruce Wayne's ward, but... It doesn't really make any sense when you look at Chris O'Donnell and you feel like he's 30 years old. Right. Uh, he looks like he's just as old as Val Kilmer in this movie. Yeah. I don't understand why they're trying to pass him off as like he's... Like a teenager? I guess. But like even if he was a teenager, it would be weird too. Like The reason Robin works in that first origin in that context is he's very young. He's young enough that he's orphaned. And it's just like when Bruce Wayne was young. Like, it's supposed to be the mirror image of that thing happening. Right. So, it's supposed to be like, I don't know. I think, I mean, in my head canon, Dick Grayson becomes Robin at the age of, like, 12. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it has to be really young. It's certainly not Chris O'Donnell. Like, he's, like, the age that I would be expecting the character to become Nightwing by. Yeah. Like, finally standing out on his own as a hero. But in this, he acts like a 12-year-old, too. Even though he is a 40-year-old man. <laughs> just, it's so weird looking. It reminds me a lot of watching Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. And it's like, Tobey Maguire in high school, right? Dude, I hate and it's watching. like, no, I don't think so, buddy. <laughs> it's so strange seeing, like, a 50-year-old man in that outfit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. We're just going to keep saying he's older. And then, like, yeah, then later on, like, then you get to see a 60-year-old man put on, like, <laughs> the shinier version of that outfit, and it still looks bad. Yeah, I, I don't like man. the, I don't like the, this Robin costume at all. It's, it's just, I mean, it's, it's that Robin costume, but it looks terrible to a grown-ass man. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't like the new one either, the, the more red and green, as opposed to yellow. Yeah. And red. Green. Neither are very good. No, they definitely got better with Robin as they went on in the comics, I should say. Yeah. Uh, you know, this Robin is so not good that basically they never did Robin again in the movies. 
Which is kind of surprising, considering that this movie came out, like, God, so long ago. I was two years old when this movie came out, and they haven't tried Robin since. Well, since Batman and Robin. Right. Weird. That's the one that really... Chris O'Donnell ruined it, man. Yeah, he wasn't a very good Robin. It's probably not his fault. No, probably not, actually. I mean, it's a miscast. It's a miscast. They, they they tried to like make like an edgy twenties character be Robin, and it just didn't work. If they went oh. with the original idea of like you know, uh, Marlon Wayans is like a mechanic working somewhere, and then like maybe like they would have some kind of like you know his origin of his parents dying happened in the past. Yeah, and then it's more like you know, hey, him and Bruce Wayne become friends because he's going to be the guy that does uh, the mechanics on the Batmobile or whatever. Uh, and then eventually he's like, let me fight crime too. Like, I want to get revenge or whatever. And then you could do this kind of storyline that they do here with Robin. But, like, it all comes too fast. And it all feels like it's about a 12-year-old when it's actually about a 40-year-old. Yeah. And it just does not work in the slightest. It is the worst part of this movie. Yeah. Easy. For me. Not easily. Yeah, yeah. You get your whole spiel where, you know... Bruce Wayne's trying to convince the now orphan Dick to stay at his manor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, no, nah, I'm out of here. Fuck you. And, and then he's like, Look at these yeah, bikes. well, fuck you, orphan. We're not going to give you free food then. I'll just throw this in the garbage. And he's like, okay, fine. You have to be a dick about it, Alfred. Jeez. <laughs> so, and then, so Robin also demands that Bruce help him kill Two-Face when he's on this revenge tour. He really wants his revenge tour. And Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> and Bruce is like, no, fuck off. We're not doing this. And This I- is another confusing aspect of this movie that makes more sense with deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman is really against killing. And, you know, normally that would make sense. But as a sequel to Batman Returns and Batman 1989, it makes no sense he at all. He killed two people. He's killed so many people. He kills the. He's really responsible for the Joker dying. And he like okay, it's the same exact scenario. Robin wants to kill Two Face because he killed his parents. Batman wanted to kill the Joker because he killed his parents. Now there's an interesting thing you could do with that that they were going to do in the deleted scenes, which is. Batman in killing Joker doesn't feel anything. He still feels empty inside. Doesn't make the death of his parents better. And I think that's what he's trying to tell Robin. It's hard to do. And he's trying to suggest that, like, you know, once you kill somebody, you'll just keep killing again. And, like, you know, maybe that would suggest some of the stuff that happened in Batman Returns, where, like, some of Penguin's thugs got burned to a crisp by the Batmobile. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,. And that could be an interesting thing where, like, Batman has kind of, like, changed his stance on this because he felt himself going a little too dark on it. Yeah. Uh, and I think that could have played out really well with what they were trying to do with the whole movie. Yep, they don't establish a little bit of that at no, all. No, there's a lot of deleted scenes involving this. The, the gist of it is uh, they show you some of it. There's a scene uh, of Bruce Wayne as a little kid reading his father's journal and becoming really upset and then finding the Batcave. And they don't really expand on it outside of this. But basically what was supposed to happen was Bruce Wayne feels guilty because he remembers in some kind of like repressed memory that he talks to Chase Meridian about that he was responsible for his parents going out to the movies at all and therefore he was responsible for their death. Right. 
uh, because he was a little kid who begged to go out to the movies that night when they didn't want to, and then that was the night that they got shot and killed. Uh, what was going to happen was after later in the movie where he gets shot in the fucking head, he was going to have either a dream sequence or a trippy sequence. Uh, it's hard to really tell for me, but I watched this deleted scene. It was apparently going to be suggested that it just actually happens, but what happens is kind of like otherworldly and doesn't make sense for it to just actually happen. I think there's a reason he gets shot in the head before all this happens is yeah. what I'm saying. So, <laughs> yes. like... He goes deep into the deep recesses of the Bat Cave. The Bat Cave underneath the Bat Cave, mind you, and uh, finds his father's journal, and it confirms to him that his father says, oh, we'll have to go see Bruce's thing another day. I, uh, Me and Martha are... Uh, we need to go see Mask of Zorro, so we're going to go out tonight. And he is now, like, absolved of guilt. And he's having this, like, thing that they don't establish very well, which would have worked better with the whole question of, like, whether it's morally right to kill, where he's considering not being Batman anymore. Which also would explain why he doesn't just go and stop Two-Face and the Riddler multiple times in this movie when he just lets them have free reign of the city later on. Uh... They literally take control of the whole fucking thing, and then, like, the movie does not explain to you that the reason this is happening is Batman stopped being Batman. At no point do they say that he stopped being Batman. It's partially that, and there's also a cutscene where the Riddler uses a gadget to throw off the Batmobile's tracking. Oh. That's also a thing. Jesus Christ. Like, I feel like that's a pretty important plot detail yeah. for why Batman just doesn't do anything about them just robbing every store ever in Gotham together. But anyway, so he goes and reads this journal, and then he sees the initial giant bat that I guess inspired him to be Batman. And it's this gigantic, insane special effect that is just not in the movie. And it's kind of crazy that it's not in the movie because that thing looked so fucking wicked. It was sick. Yep. It, it was really cool. Uh, it was this giant monstrous bat designed by legendary makeup and special effects designer Rick Baker. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, you okay. know him from working on The Exorcist, yep. American Werewolf in London, the Thriller music video, the mm -hmm. Men in Black films, and of course... Gremlins too. Hell yeah. <laughs> and that thing looked really cool. It was a really cool effect. Rick Baker did Two Faces makeup as well in this movie, by the way. And then they just cut it from the movie. It's basically like a metaphor for Bruce Wayne realizing that he is Batman and he is at peace with being Batman. And in the movie, they kind of spin it more like he's Bruce Wayne and Batman both at the same time, which is kind of weird. And I don't know if it works like that. But whatever. Anyway, fuck all that because it's not in the movie, and I think it's much worse for it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I would at least like to see the giant bat. The giant bat's cool. I don't even care if it made sense. Right. <laughs> the giant bat's fucking cool. You you fucking you leave you cut that out, but you leave in the Riddler grabbing his dick. Yeah. Just like to point that out. Yep. Speaking of the Riddler, here we have. Uh, Good old Edward Nigma finally making his full transition into the Riddler. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting in his really place. lame way for him to get his costume, by the way. He just has this like this like fucking like 
fortune teller thing or yeah. whatever it is that's wearing the Riddler costume and he just takes it off of that. Yep. How fucking boring. And also dyes his hair and cuts it short. Yeah. Yeah. But basically, he was somehow seeing the circus on a camera. I guess it must have been broadcast Maybe the brainwaves thing, too. But Maybe. like, Who knows? And so he was like, oh, that Two-Faced guy is fucking awesome, dude. I'm going to go see what, he's, what his deal is. So he finds out where to go, meet Two-Faced. This is where we meet his girlfriends. Sugar and spice. Mm-hmm. I this idea is really funny to me. It's hilarious. But like it, 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 I don't know how well it works. It doesn't work in this movie. At uh, all. And also, the evil one looks like really fucking bad. Like they designed it really stupid. Um, and they're also both bad. So like, I don't really understand the concept of it. <laughs> like they're both helping with his schemes. It's just colors. It's yeah, basically. I don't know. It's literally just color aesthetic, dude. Mm. It's terrible. Yeah, I'm like I made you a creme brulee, and then the other one's like I made you some fucking shit, <laughs> like whatever it is. I made you caviar. I puked in a bucket. Here you go. <laughs> Both sides are like hell yeah, time to eat, bitch. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. And then the Riddler shows up, and like two faces, of course, initially like I'm gonna fucking kill you. Like, what, yeah, what the fuck are you doing? It's like life? when it's like when Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones first met. Hey, <laughs> pulls out a gun. I cannot sanction your buffoonery. But anyway, but sanction he did. That goes away pretty quickly because Edward Nigma is able to convince him that uh, of a great plan to humiliate Batman before they kill him. And uh, Harvey goes for it, and then this is where they start just robbing everything ever. To finance their evil schemes, and Batman's just like, no, nah. and eh, whatever. It's like, no. Nah. Is this what happens when like Spider-Man doesn't like respond to the the blip on the map to go help the yeah the people in uh-huh. Spider-Man Two? It's exactly what happens. <laughs> Spider-Man, I'm about to fall off a building, man. Just keep swinging by. No, Spider-Man. <laughs> uh. Okay, so next we get um but next we get uh, good old Master Dick fucking around a little bit with Alfred and then subsequently Oh my god this scene it needs to be seen in its entirety to be truly appreciated. Yeah, so Alfred opens the door to go to the back cave, right? And good old Dick Grayson's up there. Oh, this wasn't what I was talking about. No, I'm talking about the laundry scene. Oh, that's right. That happens first. That is so fucking bad and so fucking 90s. He's just like does laundry like a fucking boss. And just like, I don't understand. Yeah. They play this like rock music. Yeah. I was like, I'll do your laundry for you, buddy. No, I could do my own laundry. (laughs) Way past cool. (laughs) He's Sonic the Hedgehog. (laughs) Sure. He's about as old as Sonic the Hedgehog. Hey. Yeah. So yeah, he does a bunch of dumb shit to throw laundry back, and then Alfred shrugs. Yeah. But yeah, so he he is like, you know, you'd think they would hide the secret that Batman is Bruce Wayne a little better than just like, hey, there's this door over here. Don't go in that door. Yep. Do not go in that door. He just does. And then he just goes in that door. <laughs> And then he's like, whoa, Batcave, and promptly steals the Batmobile. 
Now, Chris O'Donnell is playing Dick Grayson, but I'd like to su- submit to the court that they actually wanted him to play Jason Todd. Yep. Because he acts a lot more like Jason Todd, Robin. Like, him being revenge-filled and him being so audacious and so shitty that he would just steal the Batmobile just because fuck it, it's cool. Mm-hmm. And him being, like, so edgy in the 90s really really feels like Jason Todd to me more than Dick Grayson. Oh, yeah. And I would have been fine with that. But that it still doesn't work very well. No. So, he steals the Batmobile. Yeah, just to go fucking beat up some random thugs. Yeah, in, in the very dark with a bunch of really neon, a lot of neon lights and it looks like poo-poo. There's a scene just like this in Batman and Robin, except it's worse, by the mm-hmm. way. Oh, yeah. Or, or funnier, depending on your point of view. In the meantime, uh, Bruce is trying to, to fuck definitely doing that not getting the fuck because no because she's like I'm, I'm already i'm already in love with someone yep. he's like who and she's like batman he's like oh i want to suck his bat dick he's like oh damn it you can't tell her why doesn't he just tell her i was like i got bat dick <laughs> he's like hey you know that bat dick you want to suck what if i were to tell you <laughs> i got the bat dick that i am the bat dick think they'd be able to just look at the lower half of his face and tell but hey yeah, you know that's quite you know, exposed hey hey <laughs> hey way he moves his jiggles his lips around in that suit <laughs> yeah you should be able to tell that's val kilmer's lips for sure mm-hmm. come on it's a very recognizable stupid face mm. yeah then uh then bruce gets a little ring on his apple watch and he answers <laughs> it <laughs> it's alfred he's like <laughs> that is what it is it's like master dick took the car He's like, he's like, oh, with the, the Mercedes? No, the no, other no. car. The Jaguar? No, the other car. Get it? He has a lot of cars. He's a rich person. Like, Come on, dumbass. So he uh, he goes and stops Dick Grayson from being an idiot. Yeah, he's just randomly beating up thugs. I mean, he saves a girl. Uh, we get this, you know, stupid fucking moment where like the girl. Uh, oh yeah, it goes like who looks really young. Yeah, uh, gives him a kiss. For saving her, yeah. like this is the fucking 1950s, uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, and then he's like, "Well, I could get used to this superhero thing." <laughs> I'm like, "Fuck you, movie!" And then Batman shows up and just like scolds him or whatever. Yeah. Well, they they do it at the Batcave though, right? With a shirtless Val Kilmer, which makes the scene have an interesting vibe. <laughs> yeah. <that's true. laughs> Interesting choice, sir. Robin's like, fuck you, dad. Uh Uh-huh. I'm a part of this whether you want me to be or not. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Like, just, like, like, think about this like this. You are offered to live at this rich dude's house for free. And, you know, that's cool. He'll just, you know, accept you on and raise you up. Whatever. Give you some free food and board. And then you discover his secret that he is this vigilante, and you're like, I'm going to do that, too. Yeah, well, Just why? give me a free job as well, <laughs> and you can't say no. You can't. I disagree. Fuck you, kid. It's the, the audacity of this bitch. I, I really don't like Robin at yeah, all. He starts this. talking about his revenge, and then Bruce goes on a story about how he just leads into more killing. 
which is interesting. I feel like this actually could have panned out if he specifically mentioned the Joker and went like, hey, man, I killed the Joker. Yeah, he should have. He, he should have been, like, my, straight up. Yeah, he killed my parents but and I killed But they're trying really hard not to reference those Tim Burton movies. Just, everybody forget this isn't Tim Burton. Shh. Everybody forget. Right. Like, and fuck like, you. It, did, it did, does such a disservice to the continuity of these movies. And, like, the way they could play off of each other. They didn't care about that back then. No. They cared more about getting the Jim Carrey on the Happy Meal fries. Right. Yeah. Oh, God. Ugh. So yeah, uh, he gets a speech, and then, then Robin's like, "Fuck you, Dad." So Riddler has a business party for right. his business, right? He launches Nigma Tech. Yes, in this next scene, um, which uh, so he sets up this new device, but it's these little boxes that go on top of TVs. And basically allows him to access all of their personal information. I feel like they were trying to have a vibe that, like, those Joker commercials did in 89, but those were perfect. This is just kind of, like, boring, and they don't establish mm-hmm. it well enough that he's becoming, like, this empire Yeah, the goods out of nowhere. Shit. Like, what the fuck does his device do? How does he sell the device? It can't be cheap. Is he giving them away for free? Just so he can control people's minds? I guess so. Like, I don't know what his deal is. Yep. Uh, so anyway, he invites Bruce Wayne and Chase Meridian to a party. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, like, the idea is to trick him into submitting his brain application uh-huh. matrix into the computer. But then Two-Face, like, sort of ruins it by just showing up and crashing the party. Yep. And, like, during it, like, fucking... Edward approaches him and is like, what are you doing? You could have at least let me in on the scam. Which is funny. The gay couple is having an argument. Anyway, like... I, I guess it's just like, you know... So they find out that he's that he's Bruce Wayne at this point. Mm-hmm. They just find that out because he put in the brain stuff. Yep. Uh, so they're like, alright, we're just gonna go to Wayne Manor. Then fucking kill him. I guess. No. Their intention wasn't to kill him. At least Riddler's intention wasn't to kill him. Yeah, it was to humiliate him because they went into the Batcave and blew up all his shit. Except they didn't. He still had vehicles and shit in there. Good job, Riddler. You suck. Yep, so... Kidnap his girlfriend. Yeah, so right before this, uh... Bruce makes the decision to no longer be Batman, apparently. Yes, and he's going to tell her that he's... Yeah, at Batman. this moment, you know, not the entire time... Well, there was a previous moment where, like, she... Like, Chase Meridian literally says, If you want to fuck me, Batman, be at this location at midnight. And Batman shows up. Yep, you do. And all of a sudden, she's like, You know, finally that you're here, I don't want to fuck you now. I want to fuck Bruce Wayne instead. And he's like, Well, okay. But that big dumb smile. And then he smile. does this weird ass creepy smile that is the funniest thing in the movie. Looks terrible. It does look really terrible. <laughs> so like, yeah, he's like, okay, cool. So I can actually have a relationship with her instead of just you know, fucking. I guess. Yep. Uh, after learning that Bruce is gonna quit being Batman, Dick Grayson gets mad and runs away. Mm-hmm. Um, as he's having dinner, then our boys bust in. 
sneaking, sneaking our through, boys, sneaking through trick or treaters, acting as them, and then knocking poor Alfred out. He's fine. Don't worry about it. So while Two Face and his goons are going up to grab Batman, Riddler goes down to the Batcave and starts blowing everything up with really stupid wind-up toys. Very cartoonish. Like, to the point where there is sound effects. Like, he throws stuff and it goes, Whee! You know? It's... it's it grabs it's his dick. It's way too much. It is. It's it is. the most Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey I've ever seen. It's terrible. It's a lot of Jim Carrey. Yeah. So, uh, Two-Face is sitting there flipping the coin in the meantime. Well, he's got Batman there. He oh, lands this on is a heads. really funny, weird thing that I think just shows that they didn't understand how Two-Face works. He did it like... Just kept doing it. He, he basically got what he is like, I'm going to kill Batman, so I have to flip my coin and do what the coin says. So he flips the coin and it's the good side, so Batman lives, right? But he just keeps doing it. Like he's trying to get the probability to be the bad side so he can kill Batman. Yeah. That's not how Two Face works. No. That means he doesn't kill Batman, at mm-hmm. least in that instant. Right. You go. You go in on it. Like yeah. pick one. He's like, no, we have to leave. I'm not killing Batman at that point. You're either going to have him flip the coin for Batman or just not At do that it. point, there's no probability and his character doesn't make sense. Yeah. He's just like, you know, I guess he just has like a disorder where he's like, you know, it's like, okay, I always have to turn the lights uh, off and on three times before I turn them on at that point. Yeah. It's not like an actual, like, you know, I'm two-faced, so I have to, you know, everything has a good or bad option and I have to choose them with random chance. Yeah, instead it's just, it's just... Oh, it just gets thrown out the window, man. I don't know. Fuck it. <laughs> Badly designed Two-Face. Just, like, as far as, like, character growth and, like, aesthetic goes. Yes. It's just not very good. So, Two-Face shoots Batman pretty close to the head. Shoots good old Brucey. Um, he, he passes out because he just got grazed in the head by a bullet. He's fine, though. Anyway. Chase gets taken. His worst was to have the fucking weird ass segment with the giant bat didn't happen mm-hmm. would have been cool yep I think Robin shows up again not and yet then they're like we should go and then you could be Robin that's fine that's cool that's dandy yeah if it was Bruce figures out excuse me once Bruce figures out where uh, where Two-Face and the Riddler are He's up to go get him. Robin shows back up and joins him. He becomes his sidekick, Robin. And they go out. You know, one of them drives the boat thing and one of them drives the plane thing. That which comes Riddler up. didn't blow up. Didn't find the cave beneath the cave. Which is a stupid concept. That had the stuff in it. But whatever. Yeah, it's really dumb. So, yeah, they're going to Two-Face's lair or what have you. Also, the Riddler's lair. He has that giant fucking stupid doomsday device installed in there. Uh, they're playing Battleship. This seems Two-Face funny. and the Riddler. It's it's the most 60s Batman thing in the movie. In terms of it actually succeeding is a funny joke, by the way. Yeah. Because they're, like, going, like, C4, and then it, like, actually explodes near Robin. And they're like, ah, you suck my Battleship. C4. Ah. <laughs> not that, not from Metal Gear, no. Uh, it's it's genuinely funny. I thought it was funny. I thought it was bit. funny, yeah. Uh, but then, of course, you know, 
Batman goes to confront the Riddler. Or whatever. Yeah, Robert goes to confront Two-Face. And then he, he makes the decision not to kill him. Two-Face, like, he's literally got Two-Face hanging off an edge. Uh, off a cliff. He's literally about to do the Joker thing. Uh-huh. And he he's chooses like, not to. Yep. Again, this could have been executed way better and been more interesting. Robin deciding not to go down the same paths that Bruce did. Uh, predictably, he helps Two-Face up, and he's like, ha-ha-ha, and aims a gun at him and, you know, betrays him immediately. Yep. So him and Chase are captured. Mm-hmm. And then Edward Nigma gives him the big old choice. Like, do you want to be Batman or Bruce Wayne? One of these two are going to die. Mm-hmm. He's like, no. He's like, and, okay. <laughs> this has to be the easiest a hero has solved the villain's doomsday device problem I've ever seen in a movie. Because literally... He distracts the Riddler by it. Asking him a riddle. And then it's stupid, and then he just throws a batarang at the big doomsday device, and it blows up. Yes. Like, just one batarang. Yep. Destroys the big doomsday device of the film. Yep. This is like if Superman threw a rock at the thing in Man of Steel, and it just stopped blowing up Metropolis over and over again. Yep. Like, it's, it's so simplistic. And then it immediately starts, like, sending all the, I guess, the brainwave information into Riddler's head. And it warps his head with this weird effect that sucks. Yep. Stretching his head out. It turns him into, like, some kind of, like, fucking malformed ass. Yeah. It's terrible. Anyway. After all that. They're about to escape, but then Two-Face. He's like, I'm going to shoot you. And he's like, but Harvey, you have to listen to the coin. And he's like, oh, you're right, Bruce. And he does the flippy, and then Batman throws, like, 80 coins at him. And then he's like, "Ah, I can't decide. And then he just, like, okay. Then he just, like, dies. Yeah. He just falls and dies. So, thereby ruining the movie's entire mission statement, because Batman's like, Robin, you can't kill then you'll be bad, and don't be bad. And then Batman just basically kills Two-Face here. Yep. By the way, in a scene ripped off from uh, the way more fantastic, better-made Two-Face thing, the animated series two-parter Two-Face, the way that is resolved at the end of that is he's flipping a coin and Batman throws a bunch of coins at him. Yep. Way more effective. Uh, in that, because, like, just his performance and reaction to not being able to decide based on the random chance is, uh, great in that animated series episode. Here, it's oh, yeah. just like, he's just like, Wah! and then just dies. Oh, God. And, like, okay, I guess we're not ever seeing Two-Face again. And then, uh, you know, they've saved the day, and our epilogue is the Riddler in Arkham Asylum. I believe this is the first time we see Arkham Asylum in any of the Batman films. And, uh, I don't know, they're just like, Chase Meridian goes in and is like, who's Batman? And he's like, I'm Batman! Woo! So he's just a complete nut now. Yeah. And, uh, that's how it ends. Yeah, and then they go back, like, oh, big, big family getting car, go work. Chase Meridian kisses him, like, have a fun day at work, hotcakes. 
Yay! He and he will they... be with Chase Meridian forever, except he will not be with her in the next film. Yep, and then then Bobby Robin do the awkward run. That camera game movie over with the music going. Kiss like a rose. Ooh. No, it plays the U two song, then it plays Kiss from that, a Rose. Yeah, that's what it Should've is. Should have did it in the other order because that's uh you know the best order. Ugh. So yeah, that was Batman Forever. Bad movie. The film was very successful, breaking Jurassic Park's opening weekend box office record. By the way, this record would be shattered by Jurassic Park 2 <laughs> just yep. a couple years later, sure ironically that. enough. Uh, overall, the film grossed $336.6 million on a $100 million budget, still making a bit less than Batman 89. Yeah. That movie was truly a phenomenon when it was coming oh, out. Yeah. Now, but this isn't taking into account the massive amount of tie-in merchant toys that made Warner Brothers all of the money ever off of Batman products. However, the film was not a success critically. Uh, we got a 39% on Rotten Tomatoes for this bad boy. Uh, the lowest so far for the Batman franchise, but uh, that will be broken... Immediately yep, next, next week. week. Yep. Uh, its success would lead to the inevitable sequel, Batman and Robin, uh, which might be a disaster. Might. <laughs> will. But we'll probably laugh a lot along the way. This is obviously at the very bottom of our list. Yeah, for sure. Dude. There's, there's not a whole lot. Like I, I think it'll probably still be better than Batman and Robin and and then Catwoman <laughs> for me, but there isn't a whole lot that's worth coming back to with this movie. No. There's some funny bits. There's some '60s cheese, but if you want that kind of '60s Batman cheese, just watch '60s Batman. Does everything that this movie's trying to do, but way better, without the weird like. Like weird impulses of it switching the 90s to the other aesthetic, which is a lot worse yeah. than the 60s aesthetic because oh, that yeah. has its own like ancient charm. <laughs> it's also just really colorful, which, if you're gonna be stupid, the best way I, I usually see to approach this thing is you're gonna go really dumb, also kind of go colorful, it really helps. This movie it tries to, but then pleasing. it still has that problem that the other two had where the movie is very dark. Yep. Visually. Like, it's no Alien versus Predator 2. I'm not saying that. It's close. But, and a lot of the action is really hard to follow. And, like, just so many quick cuts. It's filmed obnoxiously at times. Yeah. It, it is It is genuinely the worst so far. It will not stay at the bottom. Don't worry if you're a Batman Forever stan. Uh, I don't know why you are, though. Why? It's a weird thing to be. Bad movie. But... Any positives? I really do enjoy the villains in this movie. Um, while they are not perfect, I think I can say the same about the villains in Batman Returns. They still make the movie for me. Yeah. Okay. But everything else is working okay in Batman Returns, or at least to the point where it's still fun. Right. That where this, this does not manage to do. Hit that I really dislike point. Robin. I really dislike Val Kilmer as Batman. He yep. is not great. No. He's or well, I mean he's just kind of boring as Batman. He doesn't really bring anything that Michael Keaton was able to bring to the role yep. that I thought was like pretty subtle and good. He's just kind of boring. 
Never good. been a fan of Val Kilmer. No, it's just not good. Like this entire movie, it's just not good. Yep. It's not good. It's Next week, we're going to watch uh, a not gooder movie. I might enjoy it more, oddly enough, because... It's a chance. No. Because of the absolute ridiculousness of it, we might just find it really funny. I'll, I'll be curious. I think I would still say it's worse than Forever, because... Honestly, I have to give it that as a sign of respect more than a sign of a... <laughs> yeah. A positive, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that movie's bad. And it's more enjoyably bad than this one, I guess. But, but this one has good elements. I don't know if there's any in Batman and Robin. It's all pretty bad. Yeah, but it's funny. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we'll, we'll get we'll get to next week. Our 69th episode, nice. buddy. Nice. We're here. Nice. We're here. Nice. We're here. Nice. That's nice. Nice. <laughs>